connecting to the real nerds is so easy. You can go to our website, realnerdspodcast.com. You can like us on Facebook. We have a Twitter account, at Real Nerds. We also have Instagram. You can call us, 720-6Nerds5. You want to email us? You can do that, too. Realnerds at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Do you remember where you were when we elected a Sasquatch president? How about when you learned Ben Franklin was a robot? Or first heard Stalin's mixtape? I'm Zach Powers. I'm Brian Flynn, and we host The Revisionists. Each episode, one person explains real history, and another tells an alternate version. And the winner becomes the truth. We let comics from Denver and around the country run wild through history. It's an in-depth look at history, but with more Babadooks. Check out The Revisionists, available every other Saturday. Wherever you get podcasts and at revisionistpodcast.com. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast at Denver Comic Con 2018 and beyond. I'm Ryan, Brad, and Henry, and Zach. And every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and podcast their experience to the world. Except this week, we have a mystery grab bag, as some would say, and we all have not shared what movie we have seen this week, except for Zach, because he spoiled it online. Yeah. And <laughs> actually, if you went to my Letterboxd account, you could no, see mine too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're going to reveal those at the end of the show, so stay tuned, and we'll see what one wins out. Probably mine. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, wait. I got to go, guys. All right. See ya. Oh, uh, wait. I got to go, too. I'm going to come back a little later. Yeah. I'll, I'll periodically jump back in. Uh, so. And I'll just be in this opening, and I don't, I don't give a shit about the news. I don't give a shit about the Blu-ray releases, so you won't hear from me until after that. Sounds good. I don't want to hear what you, you what you watched this week, so I'm going to skip on yeah, that one, too. Fuck you, too, Brad. Yeah, but I'll be back for the what's important is these mystery reviews. mom and dad fight. <laughs> I can't wait till Brad box here for Brad. <laughs> Where is that robot? He's late. As always. All right, I'll, I'll check back with you guys in a few minutes. All right, so uh, I'm going to come back because Brad left, finally. And uh, so before we start to what we've been watching, guys, I have some duplicates of movies that I'll <gasps> soon be upgrading. Does anybody want They Call Me Bruce? What is it? Um, so it's like this... Uh, <laughs> Brad, you can choose anything. Brad, oh, wait, what are you doing here? Um, I am looking for movies. 
so they call me Bruce is because he's an Asian guy who looks like Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like in the vein of Airplane. I don't know how to describe this movie. It's just, hmm. it's funny. Okay. Um, and he thinks it's Chinese flower, but it's actually cocaine. So okay. he fights drug lords in it. <laughs> yeah. And he, everyone thinks he knows karate, but he doesn't know karate because he's Asian. It's funny. I think uh, that should be but, something for white coats for you, buddy. So, uh, I have the Blu-ray of this, believe it or not, is coming out from Kino Lober. So, okay. really? <laughs> so I have that on order. So if one of you wants, they call me Bruce. Oh, yeah, sure. All right. Um, Zach, I did promise you the Resident Evil collection, <laughs> if you still want it. <laughs> On Blu-ray. Yeah, sure, why not? This is your homework for the week. You have to watch all of them. I before. Have, well, you have two weeks. You have I two just, weeks to watch all of them. I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm, he's been building this up long enough. I'm actually interested in this. If I like these enough, I'll go get the final chapter. Okay, so here's the deal with those movies. The first one is actually pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. The second one, the director is makes some weird choices. Yeah. Like, like The zombies are always shot in... It's not Paul S- W. S. Anderson? No, they're shot up. They're they're shot faster, but then slowed down. So it's that blurry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh-huh. kind of stuff. The third one is actually the best one, I think. Is that Extinction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the fourth one is nonsense. The fifth one's nonsense. So okay. that's the fourth. Fourth one is Afterlife. It's the Steel Book. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. My Steel Book collection is weird. It's True Grit and Resident Evil Afterlife. Well, I bought all of them on Steel Book. So when the final chapter came out, if you mm. bought them all. It was like 80 bucks for oh, okay. all of them. Oh, so it was worth the, uh, yeah. the duplicate. Well, yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I did. Oh, and and they, they're done by the pop art stuff, uh-huh. just like the Underworld thing, so it looks really good. Right. Nice. Well, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I also oh, have cool. a Blockbuster video <gasps> pre-released uh, of Love Actually. That's Henry's. <laughs> I have the DVD option of copy of Basketball. I would take that, but I pre-ordered my copy of Blu-ray. <laughs> Basketball. <laughs> And so this one's going to might actually, I don't know. This is Zach. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Zach asked for the Spider-Man trilogy on Blu-ray. Um, and I don't know if you talked about it in news, but uh, I got mad this week. So I got the limited edition still books from uh, Best Buy. Best Buy, right. And so they're, they're mastered in 4K. I'm like, oh, I guess that's good enough. And yeah. so I got them. And then I was reading the press release for Spider-Man Homecoming on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And they're releasing all of the Spider-Man movies now in 4K. <laughs> in Blu-ray for yeah. Ultra HD, so was there like a moment where an ambul- an embolism was just gonna pop in your fucking brain? <laughs> kind of, because I probably have bought Spider-Man yeah, like, different seems, versions of it many times. It seems like this happens twice a year. <laughs> yeah, so because the the thing, the bummer is, is they did t- do tons of behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. with the Spider-Man movies. So Spider-Man, I think it's three, has a great making of documentary mm-hmm. where it's basically just a camera following Sam Raimi around set and it's pretty interesting and then they'll intercut it with him talking about it and he said you know it, when they get this big because I think that movie cost 275 million dollars in nice. 2007 yeah. wow. and he, he was saying that he would just take a golf cart to different sets and see his second, third, fourth, and fifth unit directors Mm -hmm. and say, hey, uh, this scene, you got to shoot the Green Goblin coming over the corner there and, you know, fighting. Mm -hmm. And then he'd take the golf cart and go to another set. And if you listen to the commentary on it, it's really funny Mm -hmm. because so it's Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire and then Avi Arad. Avi Arad. (laughs) Avi Arad. Yeah. On it. But here's the funny part is those three are recorded separately. Oh. And every time Sam would say something he didn't agree with, uh-huh. for some reason he's like cut off and um, the producer comes back on. Uh-huh. And 
uh, he's he, the original. Uh, there's a huge thing of the original Spider-Man Three is he just wanted a new Goblin and the Vulture in it, mm-hmm. and he, then he revised the script and it was going to be New Goblin, Vulture, and Sandman, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he really liked the idea of the Sandman playing a part in Uncle Ben's death. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the studio says, "No, you got to put Venom in this," <laughs> and he said, "But what?" You know, I can't. What, what do you want me to? How do you want me to shoehorn this guy in? Yeah. And oddly enough, they were like, hey, "You're going to use this unknown guy named Tom Hardy." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, so it's really interesting. So I'm probably going to buying it again, and my wife's going to be mad at me because I told her it's the last time I was going to upgrade it. But now I'm going to have to upgrade it again. Mm-hmm. I just imagine like, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's like so many different scenarios in my head of just like. Like you exploding beyond fury when you read that news. It's just annoying because I just don't know. That's the one thing I don't like what studios do is I don't know why they say, okay, this limited edition for the Steelbook's coming out, but we also have Ultra HD ones in the pipes. They did with Lord of the Rings. You knew you could wait to get Mm -hmm. the extended editions and like better versions of the movies. Same with The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. They didn't try to pull the wool over everybody. Like say, if you want it, you know, the theatrical version. Like if you you, if you really want to see it today, exactly, you can get. It, but just know that we have extended editions coming out mm-hmm. with everything on it, and but I appreciate that way more. No, oh, yeah. It, I have a theory on it with Spider-Man like, more so than other th- stuff. So, how much did Homecoming end up making in the long run? Uh, it's like a, it's over three hundred and twenty right now. I think so, or somewhere around there. Worldwide or uh, well, the worldwide they haven't released it in China, yeah. Japan. Uh, okay, so it's still and so I'm guessing it, it might make over a billion. It might, might, but it, so it'll like, be pushing it if it gets to a billion. I, I feel like Sony understands that they've rebooted this so often that they have to hedge their bets. So maybe they're double dipping as much as they can. Like they're they're throwing it at all angles. I don't think they're meaning it to be dicks. This is a just they they realize they need to really like well, cover I, all ground. Yeah, I don't mind. And it's, here's the thing: is if it includes the Ultra HD version of Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh-huh. then it will take some of the sting away from me. Right. Because I'm going to buy Homecoming anyways on Ultra HD. Right. So that's good. I mean, that's another that's thirty five bucks anyways. Yeah. So if they include it, and I'm going to pay a hundred bucks for all of them, then mm-hmm. I don't care as much. Right, but if it didn't include it, then it would be... Oh, yeah, then I would be furious. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the new box art's awesome. It's like Spidey, and he's on the front, and there's like Doc Ock and the Green Goblin and uh, probably Venom, I think, <laughs> up in the corner. And But, I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Still. And it's going to be a 12-disc set, so I'm guessing it's going to have all the regular Blu-rays with it, too. Nice. Um, 740, that's what it's made so far. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah, I, I think... Uh, I think it'll be pushing a million. I, I don't know. For some reason, Spidey's pretty big in America. Yeah. And he's really well known around the world. Uh, but he doesn't push the billions very often. Yeah. I mean, 890, I think, is Spider-Man 3, and it made the most. Oh, I, can, I, can, I can look that up, too. Yeah, um, and then followed by probably Amazing Spider- I think it's Amazing 2. Yeah, Amazing 2, yeah. Or maybe it's Amazing 1 and then Amazing 2. I think they all made, like, 800 million. Yeah. Which I always laugh when people say, well, Sony's disappointed with the outcome of the grosses for Amazing Spider-Man, like $800 million? So in terms of uh, worldwide unadjusted, Spider-Man 3 is the highest grossing at just short of 900 Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man 1, 821. Spider-Man 2, 783. Amazing Spider-Man, 750. Homecoming. And then Amazing Spider-Man 2 at 700 Yeah, so, I mean, they still make $700 million. No, yeah, I mean... Isn't that crazy? I mean, you're like, I'm really disappointed in that. It's, it's such a different... Yeah. It's a different world. Different world when, you know, we were with the 
film explosion 87 and i think overboard was the third or fourth highest grossing film and it made yeah. 52 million dollars yeah mm-hmm. that would not even be in the top 100 now no yeah like this phenomenon wasn't like really necessarily a thing up until maybe about like the moment the superhero movies started becoming what they are in like i want to say like 2000 is when you start seeing a weekly basis of 100 to 200 million uh, well, or, no, like, because in 2002, yeah. Spider-Man was the first movie to gross over $100 million. Well, so that's first the beginning of it. So, yeah, 114. And then, it, and then it moves, but then it keeps going on like that, where every summer you see like somebody breaking well, like between 50 and 100. Well, yeah, now it's, I, I think now studios look at the first week more. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, how much money can we make right away instead of the longevity, where something like Wonder Woman, I, th- I think, just broke the record for most consecutive days of a million dollars or something. Yeah, no one's surprising. Yeah. And it's 38. <laughs> And so it's it's gross over four hundred million dollars, kind of quietly. Yeah, I mean people know it's done well, but it's quietly grossed a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. like it's like that's like the same, but not like I mean one one more so, but like in the same boat. It's like uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, absolutely. Which like it was never number one, but it made a shit ton of money. Yeah. It was consistently in the top. Oh five. yeah, I, I agree. So uh, I wasn't here for news. What you guys talk about in news? Uh, it's real news. Um, the, I mean, the only thing that I think you and I are probably going to want to discuss a little bit is that Toby Hooper died. And I gave kind of a brief eulogy, but I didn't go into like what he meant to me as a filmmaker. We're talking so. primarily about how great Life Force was. Nice. I do. I love watching naked alien women walk around for two I hours. I like Life Force. I th- if you listen to Film Explosion 86, it's on my list. Um, mm. Or is it 85? 85. 85? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a different movie, and it's really goofy. Um, Toby Hooper, to me, is the guy who brought the gritty filmmaking to mainstream. The the first Chainsaw Massacre, everybody remembers the gore, but there's really not much gore in no it. Gore. It's, it's, it's suggested. In fact, like I was actually reading this, and like it reaffirms what we were talking about on last year's Halloween film explosion. The majority of that film was trimmed to get a PG rating, but the implication of what was happening is what got it its... Well, R X or whatever you want to yeah, call when, it, and I just uh, I haven't heard that word yet. Uh-huh. My, I love horror films that are rated R, not for the gore, but for the, but for, for the terror, yeah. the implication. If you yeah. Will, yeah, and Sinister is a perfect example of it. Where oh, yeah. Sinister doesn't really have too much. It has like two scenes. Two or scenes like there, yeah. yeah, are pretty gruesome. But other than that, it's just scary. Yeah, and I, I love films that do that. And I think Toby Hooper brought in to the genre, much like George Romero, where George Romero gave birth to the independent film that can be shot like a documentary and people will believe it's real much like uh you know war of the worlds on the radio mm-hmm. romero did that with a black and white film yeah. where and he did it on purpose when he was shooting it he said you know what i'm gonna make this like a documentary and people are gonna see it they will know it's a movie but i want that rawness to it it's well, that I'm, mindset exactly yeah. and yeah. you know if you uh if you know anything about night living dead the tv reporters are real tv mm-hmm. reporters the cops were mm-hmm. real cops and it gives it to this, this real world feel. And I think Toby Hooper... He said, I'm going to get real cannibals. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a film that's dirty, that's not well lit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a certain style of film, and people are going to be unsettled by it because they're not used to this kind of yeah. staging in films where... In that time in 74, a lot of the films, and earlier, it still kind of seemed like a play where uh, it's... It's, it's elaborately staged. It's elaborately staged, and this one felt a little more gritty, a little more uh, real, even though it's dealing with uh, the cannibals and things like that. But uh, 
It, there's a, well, it's, it's again, it's the term you've used, which is utilized, which is raw. Yeah, it's and it's, it's, it's it's unrelenting. Oh one, yeah. I think one thing is is like there, there's well, a lot. Of, they pick up the hitchhiker, it doesn't stop. Yeah, and there's a lot of ken, like within that. There's a lot of kinetic energy. Even when it does slow down, it doesn't let, let you linger there that long. No, and um, I think that's and that's his, a benefit to it. And to his brilliance is he took the same concept. And made a comedy with the second one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing, but he realized that if he took it over the top just a little more, mm-hmm. shot it a little more clean, mm-hmm. lit a little differently, it'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. Be and, like, he, he was he was experimenting with it a little yeah. bit. I guess you'd call it. And he's he's a fun filmmaker. It's a bummer he didn't do more. Mm-hmm. It's well, I, well, it's interesting you say that because like I was doing when I was doing the general eulogy. Like, so he worked up until 2013. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just that like. We weren't seeing much of it because it wasn't getting released to the mass public. Well, I mean, besides, but yeah, but I mean, uh, the Dijon was his last one, which was like a supernatural film, but it was made for the like United Arab Emirates. Yeah, and like so, like it's something I didn't hear about. Are you sure, it's not the Jin. Uh, the Jin, yeah, I think it's it's Jin. Yeah, okay, but like uh, I don't know how to pronounce things, guys. I'm so, stupid so, American. No, sorry, no. So Jin is like an evil. It's, it's it's magician guy. It's oh. basically uh, in Middle Eastern culture. It's the same thing as a genie. Yeah, it's like oh. a genie. Okay, evil. Cool. Well, yeah. If, if, it's, if it's you watch the Wishmaster collection, you would know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Then I'll, then, then I'll definitely be checking this out because I don't mind Wishmaster. Um, no, but he did like the other stuff. Like it's interesting. Like actually, there's one that I brought up when I did my Facebook post. Is like he did something called Fun, the Fun House. Yeah, which is yeah. it's a crazy film. Like it's all over the place. Pick it up it's on so Screen Factory. I know, and that I saw that on the listings. Like it's only 17, 17 bucks. Yeah, so I'm like, ah, I'm Screen getting Factory that. collector's editions are worth it. They are. I'll talk about it later. And then um, there's also um, there's uh, he, the Eaten Alive movie. Um, I, I didn't love that movie. I didn't watch that until you recommended it to me because <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that was Toby. Mm-hmm. And watching it, I was like, this is. I'm getting the mixture of what he's doing, but like obviously the biggest thing that we now have to contend with is like, so now that Toby's dead, does he keep with him the secret of who really directed Poltergeist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I think that was more of a team effort, but a lot of I people so like too. to. I think. Yeah. I, th- I well, I know this from, from what I've heard from J.J. Abrams, and uh, if you ever watch the behind the scenes of Super Eight. Uh, Spielberg, when he's on set, helps direct. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that's what happened on Poltergeist is uh, because I I, Toby's in it for sure. There's there's parts in it that I can point to. Yeah, that's his style. But I I think Spielberg's a little uh, easier (laughs) is I guess is more successful at directing children, more successful at directing the moments, I call them, where me and James talk about all the time in Jaws. Yeah, the shark stuff's great. But the moment where Brody and his son are imitating each other is classic Spielberg, and mm-hmm. I, maybe the, one of the greatest scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where Spielberg probably lent, came in. And well, helped. I mean, it seems to me like there's a lot of those directors who like Spielberg produced a ton of films in the eighties. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it felt it very feels to me where like that was very much a mentor kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Where like I'm sure there were parts where he like overstepped in quotation marks for sure. like producing, but it's also like he was doing that to help the project. And so oh, I yeah. think like, and you know, I he, think it's, you know, he wrote of, an open, you know, he wrote an open apology to Toby on Hollywood in, and posted in the Hollywood reporter mm-hmm. back in during the movie's release, because I guess there was an LA times article where Steven kind of like went over, over his bounds in terms of bragging uh, is in his own words. So again, like I say, I think it's a team effort, but like, yeah, it sucks that, um, Toby didn't get to do much more outside of 
the 70s and 80s and maybe early 90s. Um, I mean, I like body bags a lot. Um, there's um, uh, he, d- he directed films. he directed mm-hmm. the No More Mr. Nice Guy episode of Freddy's Nightmares, yep. um, which is a classic. It's, it's Freddy's Origins. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then um, Toolbox Murders. Actually, I think that's a pretty effective little thriller. Yeah. And um, but yeah, the I mean, remake. I didn't see his Masters of Horror though. I haven't seen. Good. One. Yeah. So Masters of Horror is fun. I, I do you have Xfinity? I, I think you. No. Can, uh, I, say, I think you can stream them on Xfinity right now. Oh, really? I'm sure I can find a way to get them on Amazon. Well, I, mean, I mean, you get the DVDs for pretty cheap. Yeah. There you go. Just pop a little they're, bit. They're great. There. Like the John Landis Deer Girl. I've I've heard the the cigarette burns one by John Carpenter is pretty cool. It's all so. right. My, my favorite is actually uh, the Don Cassarelli one. It's called An Incident on and Off a Mountain Road. Mm. It's pretty great. Nice. Um, but yeah, so 74, he will be missed. Yep. He also, um, fun fact, directed the uh, Dancing With Myself music video. Oh, by Billy Idol. Idol. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this episode should start off with Dancing With My Chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you guys talk about how much of a badass Tom Cruise is? What did Tom do oh, to I forgot to mention that. So yeah. uh, he was doing a stunt for Mission Impossible 6. And I heard he injured himself. Yeah, he broke his ankle, finished the take, and then collapsed off, <laughs> off screen. <laughs> It's like the equivalent of, like, well, not the equivalent, but it's like when, like, Teddy Roosevelt got shot and then exactly. continued his speech. Just gonna go. <laughs> There's a, um, their playlist.com does, like, fake movie posters of current movies it done in the uh, 30s style. They did a hangover one, and, like, they got, like, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis and stuff like that in there but there's the baby in the corner like the Carlos baby and it says and introducing a young Tom Cruise baby as Carlos <laughs> I was like that is the most random thing I want a screenshot of it and I think is Doug Lyman doing the new Mission Impossible I think I, so I, yeah. I think so I think so he, and he because uh, I read an interview with him on the Hollywood Reporter the director I'm pretty sure it's Doug Lyman I'll look it up and he said uh, yeah you know, people are worried about, or it might be Christopher McQuarrie. I can't remember, but it sounds like it's McQuarrie because I thought Lyman was doing. Um, he, he did American Made. Maybe it is McQuarrie. Well, and well, Lyman's also doing Live Die Repeater. No, that's in development. I don't know. He's, I don't know. He might be Tom Cruise's go to Christopher McQuarrie. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so McQuarrie was going. Yeah, and he like you know collapsed off set, and they said, well, it's going to halt production. And he actually said something pretty interesting. He said that no, now he has an opportunity to go back and edit it. And mm-hmm. see if he needs to change any scenes. And he says, and as, if Tom doesn't have to walk, he'll he'll act in scenes. I mean, yeah. it's fucking Tom Cruise. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it does, it's not even a Tom Cruise thing. It's like you break your ankle, you could probably still do a sitting down scene. Oh, you could. I mean, he's not going to be able to do any action or anything yeah. for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, like, I mean, because there is like a good amount of like dialogue in those films too. Yeah. Like they make it; they're good action films. Uh, but like, you could just put a brace on his leg, yeah. stand yeah. him up, give, and then just shoot from like. Like chest up, yeah. So. And I mean, I'm sure Tom Cruise probably heals faster than everybody else. So yeah, he is a mutant like god. <laughs> I know. Do so. we have that like leg brace technology from Dark Knight Rises where it just suddenly magically fixes his Civil War. ancient <laughs> leg? <laughs> but no, it's it's pretty. Uh, I mean, that's pretty hardcore though. I mean, of yeah. all the stuff he's done, he broke his ankle like jumping to a building. Oh, yeah. You know, hang. You know, he got a little hurt doing that hanging on the side of an airplane. Like I mean, some, it's also like yeah. you were hanging off the yeah. airplane. Like. So he's 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 a risk taker, and Dubai he, airplane, and it took a jump over a over a tiny building. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the to, small things that get you. McCurry said he's probably going to use that that scene though because take, how yeah. real it is. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I would too. Yeah. I think. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Um, his, new yeah. film is, his new film is getting amazing. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I'm so excited. Oh, I can't made. wait. I'm really mad that it's out everywhere else in the world except America. I know. <laughs> American <laughs> Maid's already out? Yeah, it's, oh, oh, yeah. it's out in the UK and oh, all yeah. of Europe. That so. sucks. Well, we yeah. The 29th, I think, is when it comes out oh, yeah. here, September. But yeah, I, I can't wait. Because every time I see a preview for it, they talk about it. Oh, this movie looks sweet. Yeah. Uh, did you talk about uh, Porky Pig 101? Oh, no. So we did not talk about that in DVD releases and Blu-rays. So you're, you probably should explain this because I, I might jumble it again and detour into like, hey, remember the 40s? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so Warner Brothers Archive is, if you don't know what Warner Brothers Archive is, is an imprint of Blu-rays and DVDs that they do, but they do them on demand. So if you want something from them, like I just got Joe versus the Volcano. Mm-hmm. I order it through Amazon, but it takes usually an extra day because it has to be made. Right. And so they basically make it for you and send it to you. Right. I got my Yankee Doodle Dandy that way. Yeah. Um, and what's cool about them is that they still put new features on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's they're, they're, if you want a physical copy, they're, they're testing the demand. So on September 19th, they're releasing a five-disc DVD <sighs> set of Porky Pig's first 101 cartoons. Which Warner Brothers has never done before. No, they haven't. Like so, and to clear up the history a little bit, they've released their cartoons before, but the Golden Collections, as they've been known, and now the like Platinum. Platinum. Or, Platinums and, are the Blu-rays. Yeah. So, oh, like, no, they put them on DVD too. I think. I, whatever it is, like, oh no, Spotlight was the smaller one. That's right. That's Spotlight, right. Golden, and then the Platinum is the Blu-ray. Anyway, they were releasing like. They were kind of like programming to get the most popular cartoons in there. Yeah. So uh, unlike Disney Treasures, which Disney Treasures was pretty thorough in giving you well, they're chronologically on Disney, chronological, and also pretty much all they had. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I can't think of one that they really withheld in the Treasure collection. Well, the Treasures are interesting though, and again, this is just me being an old fogey, but so <laughs> the Treasures. Is each one is about twenty five cartoons, right? And they're beautiful sets. So, I think there's fifty on each one of them. Mm-mm. Maybe I'll check the. We'll check um, them. So, but they wouldn't. They put them in chronological order, except for the ones they thought were really offensive. Oh, the and, Disney one. Okay, yeah, the Disney mind. one. Yeah. So. Yeah. On the Disney one, then they'd say a special feature called It From the Vault. And you'd have to go there and listen to Leonard Maltin talk before each cartoon. I'm on like, why. Now remember, guys, it's not okay to say the N-word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that was ever in it. But, <laughs> um, but oh, he God. loves saying the N-word, too. He yes. would that. So, they, so you'd have to dig for him. Um, the platinum ones, like I have the first platinum on blu-ray because it was like 15 bucks at best buy a few months ago for looney tunes yeah. for looney tunes and so like one disc is the complete witch hazel mm-hmm. and one disc is like daffy duck and porky pig teaming up so it's just just a grab bag and one's like marvin the martian mm-hmm. uh this one is they're taking his first 101 appearances which i know some of them have never been released in some in times in decades yeah or on tv or on dvd like the, the last time you would have seen them it was if you were 80 years ago in the theater right before any warner brother feature yeah i'm really interested because his early stuff is kind of funny yeah. um and, and it, it branches into he starts teaming up with daffy about halfway through yeah um but anyway so this is a plea He's- september 19th that comes out Pre-order it and order this, so they start making more of them. And people are going to moan that it's not on Blu-ray, but the point is, is they're putting it out. See, and this is the thing: like, I don't think that's a bad thing on this one. So, like, uh, and I have a reason for this because I thought about it. So, so, the Blu-ray that you've got for the Platinum, how many would you say of the cartoons in there are black and white? I don't even know. Maybe no, maybe not. Maybe none. Maybe yeah. a handful. Okay, so like the black and white ones, those those very old ones. 
it's really hard to do much more to restore those ones because they, they I, I got to assume. Yeah, and again, it's unlike Casablanca, which is like it, it's a different story. Like, yeah, I, I, they know? don't need to be. I think digitally restored is fine. They don't need to be scrubbed. They don't need to be cleaned. I wanted to see Porky Pig being goofy. Yeah, because I love I love Porky Pig. I, I it, love him doing the uh, uh, come come get me, my children, and you should you should out here the midnight ride of Papa Paul Paul Revere. I remember when I was young, I used to love the one where he's a bullfighter and he's selling tamales. Sounds right. Hot tamales, hot tamales. Get 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 while they're hot. I just I love Porky Pig because he's. I guess the Porky Pig is kind of their Mickey Mouse. He's like the everyday kind of guy. Because mm-hmm. um, they had Bosco the talking, talking kid and that, that was, that's a strange creation. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, so if you, if you have $47, that's not a lot of money for five discs and 101 cartoons. You should no, totally yeah. get it because I want them to do a Daffy Duck one. And I like Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. but you know, he's always gets the spotlight that they did a Porky Pig one. And Porky Pig mm-hmm. used to be their most famous cartoon. He's the most popular. Yeah. But now he's kind of, you know, it's, Bugs Bunny, and it's really hard to market Porky Pig right now. Um, they 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 pointed out in back in action when they say like first they told me to lose the stutter, now they tell me I'm not funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a putt, pain in the butt being politically correct, <laughs> and then it shows uh, Speedy Gonzalez going, "You're telling me." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, or um, uh, you know, I would just love for them and. and it's hard because Ted Turner owns it, and he's really weird about stuff, and. Uh, so you should buy it. I want to see a Daffy the Duck collection because Daffy's early stuff are, is pretty great. There's, I've uh, 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 remind me to come back to Ted Turner really quickly. But like, so Daffy's my favorite Daffy cartoon with Porky is uh, it's called Porky and Daffy, but it's they're they're going to be bo- uh, Daffy's a boxer mm-hmm. and he's in the ring and he's acting like he's running away from the other fighter and Porky goes Daffy get on your bicycle and then Daffy just gets on an invisible bicycle <laughs> and he he's like. Like riding the bicycle and then gets on his head on what would be the invisible seat and starts like pedaling with his feet wrapped around and he goes, "I'm so crazy, I don't know this is impossible." Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so that's no, that's just my plea is yeah. just go out and get it. Yeah, because yeah, you're right. Ted Turner's a little weird about his stuff. Because remember, uh, he wasn't going to put out Speedy Gonzalez because he thought it was offensive, and then. Mexican people are like, you know, you should put them out because everybody likes them in Mexico. Yeah. And he said, oh, okay. Yeah. If you remember that Family Guy gag with Ted Turner, like, <laughs> uh, I think we've uh, reached a point where I can finally announce my new project. I colorized the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's weird about stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm yeah, just, so check it out. I'm just waiting for more Hanna-Barbera cartoons to come out on any kind of... Well, yeah, I, actually, it's, it's funny you say that. They're putting they, out 60 anniversaries of them and I picked up the old first season of the Flintstones yeah. at Target for 10 bucks like the complete first season and it's DVD mm-hmm. but the packaging's really cool no so. I mean like because they had like the DVD stuff for that like you can get like some mm-hmm. where it's like but you will not like they don't have like complete series or anything oh, be, no. like, here's like the six episodes that everyone likes or whatever yeah exactly but yeah. it's like I mean I, I agree I want my complete season of Jabberjaw like, <laughs> I, I think it's no respect I, I'm hoping now that with the Simpsons finally releasing season 18 mm-hmm. that, that people realize there is a demand for this stuff and that they'll actually put it out you know that that I have to sit there and endure mm-hmm. um, you know four different releases of Avatar but I don't yeah. have True Lies on Blu-ray yeah. is really a bummer a, well I think there's a there's a there's a weird period that we've been dealing with where the digital trend is surging so much forward but now they're kind of like taking some steps back well yeah well because people are learning just 
so people are up in arms because Netflix is losing Disney because Disney is starting its own streaming service. I said, yeah, yeah eventually you're not going to have that stuff. No, yeah. That's why they want you to bit streaming because all they have to do yeah. is keep some server somewhere running and then you, you, you access it. Until the lights go out, guys. That's why you want physical copies. And it's just stuff. And it's funny. I had this friend who had Comcast and she switched and she switched. She didn't realize she didn't keep the movies she bought from Comcast. Yeah. I said, yeah, because it's on their stuff. That's why I don't like buying digital stuff. Yeah. It's uh, like, cause like I have like a pretty large, like iTunes collection of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, and like, I've like been tempted to go to like, to like Google stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I know like, I'm going to lose like hundreds of dollars of like, exactly. Movies, so it's tough. I mean, I understand the convenience of having digital things, mm-hmm. but I'm not a fan. And, uh, I'll talk about it in what we've been watching, but, uh, when streaming too, you don't get the best picture. No, oh, yeah. You don't get the best audio. You get compressed versions of everything. Yeah. So it's even like, ooh, it's mastered in 4K for iTunes. It's not. Yeah. It's, and it's also like, even if it was, almost no computer screen could handle showing it in 4K yeah. anyway. So like, it's just a bummer. Yep. All right, cool. Now I've ranted. I'm good. This no, is, we, 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 we padded out a chunk here. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brad, this is what we've been watching. What have you been watching? Yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Well, I forgot to say last week that I watched Spawn. Oh, I did too. Really? Yeah, on well, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, it's, it's good I forgot last week because we can talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ryan always said it wasn't great, but um, wow. That is a dumpster fire <laughs> pretty awful. of a movie. Like... Um, and I'm sorry to say that. To all the people I'm sure Spawn fans or whatever, I don't care about the fans on that one. Yeah. But like, I, the when you work on a movie, you're yeah. like, you know, this is our craft. We're trying yeah. to make the best thing possible. And I'm sure back in the '90s, they were given nothing to work with. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but uh, I think yeah, that story and script and like special effects are. It's, I mean, like so bad. 90s. It's gone. I mean, it might just be that it's aged so poorly as well too. Because like when I was watching it, like I watched it like last week on Netflix, and it was just like, this is like. <sighs> joke level of what ed- what edginess is yeah like, like edgy oh, was in the 90s yeah like it's like it's now like a self-parody of itself in a way yeah so i've never seen spawn before don't oh. so now i've got like so i've had ryan tell me not to see it and it's now a movie that should YouTube. be on how this get made no really oh, that would be a great episode I <laughs> yeah think, but i think like they would like it too much it's like, so nonsensical like he's a mercenary like a uh like an air traffic control tower yeah. like he has a mission yeah and then he gets punished by or he gets oh uh what's his name martin sheen's in it yeah like there's so many people who are in this film i'm like okay one you're all more talented than this yeah and they're all giving awful performances like martin sheen's like a mustache twirling villain. oh so much and then uh yeah so he puts a hit out on michael jai white who's spawn yeah. becomes spawn and then there's the insane clown uh, John yeah, Leguizamo, who that was like, I think he's an agent of the devil. Like, because that came out, I was like, or wait, everything. Because that was cause, like, when they introduced his character was right after like a serious, like grounded realism of like a board meeting scene of Mark yeah. Sheen, and then this fucking demon clown comes out. Like, a, I, like a member of the insane suit. clowns posse. Yeah. Like, yeah, and then uh, what else? Then there's like the other mercenary woman who. Uh, it's all over the place. No, like at a certain point, like it's like I stopped trying to understand it. Yeah, like, I was, like oh, and yeah, Spawn has a daughter and a wife, and then when he becomes Spawn, I guess a ton of time passed. <laughs> yeah, while he was being turned into a demon, and then his buddy, like bodyguard, 
marries his wife and takes custody of their kid. And then he's all pissed about that. And then, like, the his cape is full-on super CGI'd. Yeah. It was just... I could not... I don't think I even finished it, really. Oh, I think... Well, I, I finished I it, but I think I stopped paying it. attention to it, so... Yeah. Uh, sorry, excuse So, uh... Yeah, that was Spawn. I finally watched Spawn. Huh, Ryan, you've seen Spawn. <laughs> yeah, are we already recording? <laughs> We're doing everything out of order. I gotta go. Yeah, Spawn's awful. <laughs> I, I, you always told me it was awful, and I never... You didn't believe me? Well, I didn't think it was as bad as what I saw. And Henry watched it, too. And... Yeah, we both watched it this week. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, like... I, I, yeah. Uh, speaking of bad movies, I also watched Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Oh, so, I don't know if that was that bad. <laughs> oh, it's... No. No? It's Rocketeer adorable. I'm sure James would, would uh, like, defend it. At least Rocketeer was filmed, like... In an actual location, yeah. Sky Captain is everything's on a green screen. It's, and it doesn't hold up. It's an interesting eighth grade project, <laughs> and it's the weirdest, silliest story. It's based off. It seems like a what? tech demo for a video game. You, you uh, gotta but, understand pulp novels. <laughs> just because something's a, based on a pulp novel doesn't mean it was executed well. Yeah, um, I think it's fun. <laughs> Let's see. It looks cool too. I watched the. Apparently, there's like a whole dump of Tom Hanks '80s movies on Netflix right now. So I watched yeah. the Money Pit. Some <laughs> uh, of the ones I don't like very much of his. Yeah, which like his earlier stuff is like yeah. kind of. Yeah. I like I like Bachelor Party. That's not on there. No. <laughs> no. The good awesome. ones. That, it's the ones that no one cares about, like The Man of the Red Shoe. Mm. Yeah, I think that's Turner his first. Hooch. Mm. I think that's his movie. first movie. Yeah, yeah. Turner Hooch isn't bad. Yeah, I Turner's didn't. pretty good. I like that one. Uh, but yeah, enough. the Money Pit is basically they move into a house. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to find a way to fix it up, and then towards the end, there's a little plot of Shelley Long thinks she cheated on him with her ex-husband, who's like the asshole orchestra conductor. But he made it up just to like screw with her. But it you know almost ruins her relationship with Tom Hanks, and they it's it's a little like mean to make her the whore of the story. <laughs> like only the woman could cheat, of course. Um, but they make up and. The house gets fixed, and because Tom Hanks is adorable. Um, let's see. And then the last two things I saw were awesome. Has anyone seen Victoria? Oh, the uh... the two and a half hour single take movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think we, yeah, yeah. Like the first half hour is kind of like okay, it's <sighs> I I can see that uh, no, yeah, it's not too hard to do. People just hanging out in a single take. Yeah, but then there's a heist at the end. No, I mean, well, I mean, like the entire like. Everything, like, it's the fact that, like, it's not even, like, edited to look like a single take. It's, like, legit one take, yeah. like, through the night. Hitchcock did that. Uh, <laughs> for two and a half hours? Ah, <laughs> uh, no. 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 I didn't no. even think it was two and a half hours. Like, some, when I was talking to someone else later, they said, oh, yeah, the two and a half hour one. I thought It seemed like an it hour to me. the 30s, no, yeah. but, I mean. Orson Welles did that. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, I mean, like, my thing is that it's, like, I think you'd only appreciate it if you're, like, really into filmmaking, like we yeah. are. I think, like, if you're just, like, someone who's just like, oh, I like films, you don't need to see it. Because I think, like, you get the gist of it, like, yeah. after 30 minutes. Yeah. What's impressive about the movie is the acting. No, yeah. And the take. Like, the story's not great, and the characters yeah, yeah. aren't terribly compelling. But, I mean, there's a part where she plays that piano piece, yeah. like, in like in one take. and You can um, read about, like, the making of it online. It's really, because they did it, like, in three takes. Uh, well, they had, like, a shit ton of rehearsals, obviously, but, like... Yeah. They did it in three. They did it one because they can only afford, I think, three takes. Right. And so they did like one take, 
uh, that they were like, cool, that was great, but let's do like another one. They did the second take, and it was just <laughs> awful across the board. And they're like, well, we're, we lost the project, and then they like applied for more funding, got the third take, and the third take's one that's like the actual film. Nice, yeah. yeah. Uh, but is it built and built and built? I'm like, okay, like how? I get that you're doing a hangout scene because mm-hmm. that's all you can really do. But you know, they secure like a hotel yeah. and like police uh, on set, and then like squibs and gunplay, and you're just like, and the acting's great. No, yeah, like, and I think it's like one of those. It's like like touche movie. Yeah, like, it just <laughs> way to show me. Yeah, like. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out um, if you want to be impressed by how movies are made. And then the last thing I saw was I am not a serial killer. Oh yeah, yeah. And Christopher Lloyd's amazing in it. I uh, I remember I read that book like uh, years ago, and I was just I was super excited when the movie came out. Yeah, it's just and it's uh I can't I, I saw the movie when it was like the years so I don't really remember it all that well, but like the kid uh he's sort of diagnosed as a sociopath. Yeah. And he has thoughts of killing people, but he has a set of rules that keep him. He yeah, says like, keeps him from he doing it. He understands that like this is who he is, so he like sets up rules to make sure he doesn't become what people think he will become, yeah essentially. But meanwhile, he's interested in serial killers. So yeah. once there's this demon, and well, there's a guy killing people in town, mm-hmm. um, and so he's very curious about like like the the killer keeps taking a different organ yeah. from the bodies each time, and so he kind of starts to investigate on his own. And once he finds out who does it, he doesn't just stop them. He tries to get inside the mind of like mm-hmm. why, yeah, um, and then it leads to this like kind of sort of creature esque yeah. re- resolution. Um, so I don't want to spoil it, but um, and along the way, he's trying to figure out like is he is he just maybe just too just insensitive to people, mm-hmm. or is he actually a sociopath? And that's what he's trying to like uncover about himself yeah. as he investigates. Like, you know, maybe he's not really interested in killing people. He also works. Um, his mom is a mortician. <laughs> yeah. And so, he, and so he knows a lot about just from being there. Yeah. So, like, he's exposed to dead bodies all the time. So I think that has influenced his interest in the macabre. Um, and then he has a fractured family. Like, his sister isn't yeah. around. Or there's yeah, yeah, some yeah. kind of friction between her and his mom. Yeah. And then their their dad's absent. Uh, so it's it's and Christopher Lloyd. No, he's amazing in it. Yeah. Like, like it's not funny, Christopher Lloyd. It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only thing I think it sucks is the thing at the end is a little CGI-y. Yeah, and it's like, it's interesting because, like, the book is a lot more subtle about that. Because the book, this is, like, this is the first, I imagine they wanted this, but the, it, the book's, it's a trilogy series. And I imagine they wanted to do the two sequels. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it or not, but yeah. the two sequels are really where it gets really interesting with that kind of idea. And so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I watched. It's cool. Wow, that was lame, Brad. <laughs> Brad, your pictures you chose are so stupid. Get the fuck out of here. We don't hear from you until you review your movie of the week. Why did you call them pictures, old man? <laughs> back in my day, they didn't even talk. It's just, it just music, see? <laughs> Have you guys done what you've been watching? No, uh, we no, we didn't. Okay. No. Henry, what'd you watch this week? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> I know I have like two weeks worth of shit, too. Um, Listen, Bart. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm, what I'm currently doing right now is I'm trying to watch all the best picture winners. So I'm just going mm. through like from like most recent to mm. oldest. Uh, so today, <laughs> this morning, I watched West Side Story for the first time. Oh, Did you feel pretty? pretty? Yeah. Oh, so pretty? Yeah. It's um, one of those musicals that everyone says you're supposed to like. And I'm, I go, meh. Well, it's also like, because I mean, I've been watching a lot of musicals recently because I'm in that era of Best Picture winners where everything was a musical. <laughs> uh, and just like, <laughs> that's, honestly, not, that's not a lie. <laughs> and like, honestly, of that one, like that one's probably like, it's definitely not the worst musical to win Best Picture. Uh, but... It's certainly like the music. Honestly, I don't think some of them are all that great of singers. To be frank, 
Uh, I think it's a cool story, but I think like at the end of the day, like some of the singing could have been more defined. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Uh, I watched Death Note, which also won Best Picture. Um, <laughs> I uh, saw your review of that on Letterboxd. Seems like you're pretty impressed. Yeah. Um, Death Note, I mean, have either of you like watched the original? No. no. I, I know the character design because it's so iconic. Yeah. Well, I mean, the actual anime is actually pretty good. I'm not like a huge anime guy, but the actual one is actually pretty well done. This one wasn't. Um, <laughs> this one was pretty awful. And in... I've heard, I've heard some people say they... I, I love Adam Weingard. No, it's like because like his past two films haven't been all that great, but I still love the guest and your neck so much. Mm-hmm. That I'm just like, what did he do after your uh, the guest Blair Witch? Blair Witch. That's right. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um... but yeah, I mean, Death Note. It's very disappointing. It's also I think the problem is that he adapted it not knowing what made it good. Like, he changed so much about it that it took away all of the interesting parts of Death Note. There was a, I have a friend of mine who uh, um, said that he actually, because he didn't know anything about Death Note going in, he ended up enjoying it. Well, I mean, I, I, so I don't I, know. Maybe it's one of those I things. can't say that that's not true just because, like, I'm so ingrained that I've seen the show. Yeah. But, like, it's also just very poorly done. And Nat Wolf is one of the worst fucking actors on the goddamn planet. You mean Nat Wolf star of Leap with Elle Fanning? <laughs> My fucking uh, I'm ready for him to not be in movies anymore. Okay. Anyway, I don't know on. who that wolf is. I don't care. Yeah, he's a fucking fuckboy. Um, <laughs> I saw Logan Lucky, which I was kind of disappointed by. Uh, it just wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. It looks very digital. Uh, and uh, so I just and it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's very well written, uh, and the acting is all great. I think it's pretty well directed. Well, I'm, it's it feels almost incomplete. Like it feels like it's edited. There's no flow. It's just like here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a scene in order of how the film's supposed to go. Oh, and there's not, and I think the editing is pretty atrocious. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, sound of music, I was disappointed by. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I mean, it's not like it was bad. Nuns fight Nazis, Henry. I just like you have to deceive them by singing. I just watched. And I was like, okay, it's just another musical. And but they fight Nazis in it, and it has Julie Andrews in it. No, I mean it's. I mean it's fine. It just didn't connect with me. Um... That's not important. I saw Rough Night, which is the worst comedy of the year. Uh, <laughs> Poor Scar Jo. Uh, she hates being called that. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, know that. So I read an interview gonna... with her. <laughs> now no. you're on her list. No, that's fine. Okay. Guess who's never working with Scarlett Johansson now? I didn't expect to get on that list either, so I'm glad to be on one of the lists. <laughs> uh, I watched A Man for All Seasons, which is interesting. Uh, it's a Best Picture winner. It's uh, a very good film. It's it's one that everyone forgets, like no one knows exists. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I think I think it's a play, I think, and I yeah, think, I think so that too. people know the play more than they do the film. But I, mean, if, I mean, I don't know. It's not one I'm going to recommend, because it's not the best Best Picture winner, but uh, it's fine. It's a weird trivia. I'm, I'm of, okay with watching it, so. Weird trivia, that's one of Kevin Smith's top ten favorite films. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I rewatched The Avengers. Uh, nice. Which, like, from wait, t- wait, wait, Sean Connery's The Avengers? <laughs> Fuck off. Um, <laughs> but, like, I mean, I don't know. I watched it, and it was, like, I remembered how amazing it was to see that film in theaters, like, like on opening night, like, midnight release. Mm-hmm. Bunch of guys just, screaming, oh, my God! <laughs> and so I, like, I just... How exciting that was, and how like I don't know. I just feel like I just haven't felt that way about like a Marvel film since then. I like and I like a lot of Marvel films, but like I haven't felt that excited about like a Marvel film since The Avengers. Mm-hmm. And so it was a very happy while also melancholic kind of feeling. <laughs> just a loaded screening. Uh, I watched Oliver the musical. I only say that because there's next to Apostrophe. Uh, yeah, 
Philosopher. Philosopher? <laughs> Which that one I really liked. That one. And I like I hate kids. But like that the kid who plays Oliver is adorable, and so it's fine. Uh I watched Take Me, which is a new Netflix original film. Uh it's oh it's a very it's a dark comedy and it's kind of I don't know how I feel about it, but if you're into dark comedies, I would check it out. Uh I watched Batman and Harley Quinn, the new animated film. You weren't impressed with that either. I really wasn't. Um, <laughs> I, I follow you on Letterboxd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, I don't know. It felt, I feel like I wasn't impressed with really any of it. And it, it was overtly sexual and weird in ways that I just wasn't a fan of. I also made Dick Grayson an idiot in the film, which I'm not a fan of either. So, <laughs> uh, and then is there anything else on here that's really interesting? Um, no, not really. Spawn, we already talked about. Uh, Spawn. <laughs> uh, so I wasn't here when you were talking about Spawn. Uh, so did the editing in it make any sense to you? No, no, because we both were saying like towards the like we both finished the film, mm -hmm. but we stopped watching the film after like thirty minutes. Yeah, because it's there's that part where he's talking and like he goes into training for like yeah. five minutes. What the hell is yeah. that? And it's just it's like we said like it's also like it's aged so poorly. That it's now a stereotype of, like, 90s edgy culture. And so, yeah. But uh, I watched Risk, which is good, but it's also he's just so unlikable that it's hard to really go along with it. It's mm -hmm. a documentary on Julian Assange. Uh, Amadeus I loved. In terms of Dearman I loved. Amadeus is great. Amadeus is great. Amadeus is really good. And uh, one of my favorite jokes in Last Action Hero is from that, where... Uh, so the bad guy in Amadeus is the bad guy in Last Action oh, Hero. Oh, really? Yeah, and he yeah. says, Danny told me not to trust you. You killed, you killed Mozart. Mo who? Zot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that movie. <laughs> that needs to be on Shout Select. I say that every week. Yeah. I'm going to start tweeting him every week. <laughs> like, you guys need to put this on Shout Select. Uh, in terms of Dearman, I loved. I thought that was really heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Jim Brooks movie. It's a yeah. good movie. Uh, Godfather Part 2 and Part 1 I watched the first time. I still think they're overrated, but... You know. uh, I think they're good. I mean, I wasn't like... It wasn't. I didn't walk away going like, guess, this is the greatest film ever made. But I guess I, That should have been on the poster back in the 70s. I guess my biggest problem sometimes with movies like that, much with the same with Citizen Kane, not that I think they're great movies, not that they're not great movies. we're both going in the same direction, yeah. But people are like, oh, it changed my life. I have to like this movie. And to me... And I, I say this all the time. To me, the most important aspect of a movie is being entertained. Yeah. And to, uh, Godfather 2 is what, three and a half hours? They're both like, yeah, around three. Like, so, I think the first one's two hours, three, the second one's three and a half. Yeah. So. And you're just like, oh my God, we get it. It's They're like, mob. I described it to like someone as like, both of them feel like an entire yeah. season of a like yeah, mob show. Exactly. And then again, the acting's great. Obviously no, yeah. shot incredibly it's, well. They're very, very well done films. Yeah. It's just that in terms of connection, I think it the, these films Assistant can't have the same problem where they broke the ground for other films to lay the ground over. Exactly. And and, and that's not to say they're bad. It's like they're so revolutionary that we don't realize it. Yeah, anymore. and I just I I was never a big fan of them. And it's it's the same thing I actually I, I saw it a while ago, and I I must have forgot to bring it up. But the same thing with like Moonlight this year. Mm -hmm. I think Moonlight's a good movie, mm -hmm. but to me, I don't think it's the best movie that I saw last year. No, yeah, and, yeah. and it seems like its hype kind of hurt it. Yeah, and I, and I do think that for a lot of people, that is what happened. And I've been saying on the podcast all ever since it came out that Moonlight is one of those films uh, that 
if you did not have an LGBT experience, if you did not grow up that way, it won't affect you the same way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, and it's just, it's a film that you don't get. For, I mean, we're talking about Moonlight now, which is not something I watch. So anyway. Um, <laughs> It's okay. We're, we have a podcast. We can talk as long as we want. That's true. <laughs> is, is there anything else that I watched that's interesting <laughs> that I thought I can talk about? Dunkirk, I was kind of disappointed by. Uh, oh. I don't know. Very, very well shot. Uh, that's about it. Zach? Uh, I watched a couple things this week. Uh, so uh, I rewatched uh, Casablanca because uh, I was bored one night after work. Um, Still a really good movie. Third best movie ever made for me, at least. Um, I, I love it. Bogart's awesome in it. Um, just, it, I watched it. I watched it in, on Blu-ray on, on my HD TV down here that you mm-hmm. guys can see, and I, I liked watching it in that format because I usually watch it like either on the computer or. Uh, um, like I haven't watched it within an HD spectrum, and like I love how crisp and clean they got that print to look. Black um, and white actually lends itself really well to Blu-ray, I found. Oh, if, yeah, you, if you have very the, right, much so. the right TV and, and the right Blu-ray player, yeah. the black levels look amazing. Yeah, and, and so, like, this this in particular just looks fantastic. So I would, you know, like, if you haven't seen Casablanca and you want to see some Nazi punching, go right ahead, man. <laughs> you haven't seen Casablanca and you're listening to this podcast, stop this podcast. Yeah, and go, watch Casablanca. Why watch the fuck movie. are you listening to me? Yeah. <laughs> we talked so long about Spawn. Yes. <laughs> Bogart is spitting in his grave, guys. I like the part where she gets on the plane. Yeah, see, <laughs> that movie, though, too, is one of those movies where you could say it falls in the Godfather, Sisson Kane. Yeah. Thing, but it but is entertaining. Think, but I still think it's way more... It's also it's so helps that more. the film is like an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> it is, but Actually, this is the first time the I watched Casablanca. Oh yeah, I was like, this is the first time I watched Casablanca um, where it didn't feel like the epic that's always been in my head. Where it actually felt like it. it's a pretty tight film. Oh yeah, like, when you look at it straight. But I've seen this movie so many times, like from the moment I was ten to, uh, to the present, and. Those past years, it always felt like a much longer film. This time around, it was a breeze. Um, so um, I uh, rewatched the Raiders of the Lost Ark because it was on Amazon Prime, and I'm like, wow, Heck that's yeah. cool. Um, so I'm going to probably watch one of the Indiana Jones films a week to uh, all the way up to Crystal Skull because you said I should try to rewatch it. I, I, um, I haven't seen it since theaters. I so. think people's revisionist history drives me crazy. When when they tell me Spider-Man 3 is one of the worst movies ever, I mean, it's really not. Yeah. Um, but uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, really fun movie. Oh, man, um, it's amazing. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> I was focused more on um, uh, what's his it, Paul um, it, it, he plays uh, Belloc but I can't remember the actor's name I think it's Paul Freeman or something like that I remember anyway but like uh, I just like his like he's a really good villain like oh, he's I, great I, I was just like I wasn't like I never really paid attention to him much when I watched Indiana Jones movies when I was younger because I was like well it's about Harrison Ford throwing a whip and punching people and shooting people and whatnot um, but like no he's a great villain he's really awesome man I, I totally dug it um, and uh, obviously I love the whole face melting sequence it's awesome um, the whole shooting the guy with the sword awesome um, great film and then uh, my favorite line in the movie which is it's being examined by top men who top men <laughs> um, so that was fun. Yeah. Um, just uh, before I start, I just looked up to confirm. Casablanca is the fifth shortest film to ever win Best Picture. Really, fifth yeah. shortest? Yep, fifth shortest. What, what would be the shortest? Marty. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Marty's a good film too. Yep. Um, uh, so um, I uh, got into the uh, 
dock kick again like I usually do. Um, but it wasn't like that bad. Uh, so I watched American Experience, um, the new season. Um, they did uh, a documentary series on World War One. So it was three episodes at two hours apiece. Um, and I think my my reason for watching it was because Wonder Woman was so awesome this year. I was just like, you know, I really don't know much about World War One. Let's watch this. And dude, like. I thought I always thought World War Two was a very interesting like period in our history. World War One was just as interesting, mm-hmm. if probably not more. I think the thing about World War One is that it's a lot less sexy. Like there, yeah. it's, it's very, it's a much more depressing war. Right? Yeah, like, I agree. Not to say like the Holocaust no. wasn't depressing or anything, but no, like, no, no, I get what you mean. Like it's, I think the, it's dirty, it's in trenches. It's almost and, like there's almost like not an enemy in a way. Like whereas mm. like everyone's like World War Two is great be- or great because. Uh, you know, there's the Nazis, mm-hmm. and it's like they're the biggest villains in yeah. everything. So yeah. So, but the um, uh, what's interesting you bring up about that? So like, World War One, much like World War Two, it's called a World War for a reason. And like this, this series mainly focuses on America's involvement. Mm-hmm. It mainly deals with isolationism, which. You know, we probably should have learned our lesson to not be an isolationist nation after this war, but no, we didn't. That's why the Japanese were able to attack us mm-hmm. um, back then. Um, but say, hey, whatever, we all learn our lessons. Um, but it was a very interesting series. Um, uh, sadly, I didn't see any cameos of Snoopy fighting the Red Baron or mm-hmm. Wonder Woman going into No Man's Land. Um, just, just saying, guys, like... I, I can make American Experience documentaries cool again. <laughs> Did you read my Facebook post where I was just like, "There's the narrator should be like, it's called No Man's Land, and it's called No Man's Land for a reason. And then it just shows a picture of Wonder Woman, and then it says, American Experience presents Wonder Woman, fact or fiction. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, I uh, um, I also watched Magician, the um, Orson Welles documentary, and I've talked about it before, but I watched it again mainly to see some footage from, I guess Netflix is reviving one of his films, um, like one of his like f- uncompleted films. Uh, yeah, I think I heard about that like, like years They're trying ago. to like, uh, like re-amp it or something. I'm not exactly sure of the story, but it seems fascinating. Um, I'm, I'm totally going to check it out but um it was nice to hear some more information about wells i didn't know um the last thing that i saw this week though was um so it was an american experience documentary uh, again but this one was pretty interesting it's called the mine wars and it's about the uh um the attempt to get union uh our um union uh, uh-huh. u- uh, union uh, membership by west virginia mine miners uh in the Early, early to uh, the early 1910s up to about the 1930s, um, and when I when it starts off, it starts off like any kind of labor dispute to a degree, like how it p- progresses. But I forgot, as I usually do, these things turned very violent. Yep. Um, there were there were shootings in the middle of the goddamn town. Like yeah, people they, did died. They, did they send the army down? They sent the national guard. Yeah. Um, the Baldwin Belts detective agencies were hired by the miner, uh, the the mine owners, to keep their their employees in line. That's another thing. They were living in like corporate owned towns. Like the the company owned the town. You 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 were you were paid in company. Disney dollars, I would call them. Yeah. Um, and like, so you couldn't get, and if you tried to trade it in for real money, you'd get a fraction of what it is worth as a Disney dollar. Yeah. And, uh, 
uh, that they hired outside security and then eventually like to scare them from joining the union they didn't like they barely used it but they put a machine gun up in the searchlight and they just leave it there and then people would just know like hey don't fuck with us or we'll use that thing mm-hmm. like it, it's crazy man like i just i it made me there's another doc that is on that series about the flint uh or not the, i don't know if it's flint or detroit like one one of the michigan cities uh and the auto workers union so i would like to check that out but anyway that's all i watched this week a little plethora of everything well, I got to catch up for it. Last week, I was supposed to be here, but uh, work got in the way, and it sucked. Um, so let, uh, I'll catch that's up. what happens when you put a knife on a bandit. Yeah, well, that's what happens. I got to write that report sometime. Yeah. Uh, I finally got my basketball on Blu-ray after my ordeal with Best Buy and throwing a fit. Um, <laughs> it was still funny. You were like, just give the big baby. Yeah, I, I, you know, a movie that is a lesser-known one that's put on Blu-ray, like, it looks pretty good on Blu-ray, but you can tell it's like, oh, we'll up-convert it a little bit. Yeah. Like it's not not like a one you say, hey, guys, check out Basketball on Blu-ray. Yeah. This is what Blu-ray was made for. Um, it's sort of showing on the TV. It's in Best Buy. Yeah, like, what do they call that? It's not a show um, movie. But, I mean, it still looked good. I mean, it cleaned up a lot of, like, the scratches and uh, stuff like that. But, I mean, it's infinitely quotable. I think it's what makes it really funny is... You get a t- taste of it. They have spotlight on location, like this really short EPK on it. But Matt Stone and Trey Parker and said, yeah, this movie was stupid. And they asked us to do it. So we decided we're going to do it because uh, we didn't want to not say no to anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a really funny interview with them later where the reason at this time, South Park movie, South Park, basketball, um, they all kind of came out in the three year period was because they said we didn't know when it wasn't going to end when it was going to end so we just started saying yes to everything yeah and uh and the movie's funny it's it's stupid but it's really funny um it's a zucker brother film yeah it's it's fun uh i watched uh 4k version of logan and holy shit yeah they, you know some i've watched a few movies on 4k and I mean, one was Resident Evil Final Chapter, maybe not the right movie to watch on it because it's mm-hmm. a darker movie. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it looks better, but I'm not like, oh, wow. Yeah. But there's some parts in Logan that I went, oh, wow, because <laughs> uh, it looks so lifelike. And it. And then Keanu Reeves came to your house. Yeah. And you were like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> and, uh, it's so lifelike that it's kind of distracting, too, mm-hmm. because it looks like Hugh Jackman is in your living room. For <laughs> it's real. too natural. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but in a really cool way. Yeah. Uh, Not in a weird Hobbit way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, no, I do a, a liken it to watching The Hobbit, mm-hmm. where you still have to train your eyes. Yeah, you have to get used to it. Like, yeah, after you watch the movie for about an hour, you're like, yeah. oh, I get it. But if you get up and, like, let's say, get, like, a water and come back, you go, oh, got to get back into this. Uh, but Logan's still one of my favorite movies of the year. It's yeah. still amazing. Um, I mean, it's so amazing. I put it as my number three movie out of the top mm. ten years or six years. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's still really great. And then the Logan Noir is also in four K. Oh, yeah. And oh god, again, it's it's. Ooh. I don't think it's actually a better version of the movie. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it lends itself really well to black and white. Yeah. It's uh, like uh, James Maggle said, like in the Q and A, there's like. There's something that I wanted to see what it would be like. Yeah. Like, this, one or the other is not the definitive version. Yeah. There's just two different types of. Yeah. And it, again, if you're if you just want to say, hey, I want to see like how cool would, it looks in black yeah. and white, it's, <laughs> it, it plays really well. Yeah. Um, if you're uh, if you're looking for more like stuff that's apparently really good on 4K, I've heard The Martian <laughs> is supposed to be like one I of bet. the best films on 4K. It wouldn't surprise me because I'll get to something else later on 4K. Oh. Um, so I also watched Friday Thirteenth Part Three because it's celebrated its thirty fifth anniversary on the thirteenth. In three D. What, what I did find very interesting, 
And when I was reading, like, this is really the only Friday the 13th that came out on Friday the 13th? And it is wow. the only Friday the 13th that has come out on a Friday the 13th. That feels like a mismanaged like, marketing <laughs> team. Like, really no, think about it. Freddy vs. Jason came close. came out on the 15th of August. Okay. And I understand that. I mean, yeah. you're, you're trying to make a summer movie. and It's also like that one. You could say 13th with the yeah. Wednesday thing. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And so I was really surprised. And the third one is not the best, but it's still pretty fun. You know, when you listen to the director on the commentary or read about it, Crystal Lake Memories, or see the documentary about it, it's because it was so hard to set up the 3D back then Mm -hmm. that they couldn't spend as much time with the actors and... uh, Because it's a cheap movie, so it's like, well, we got to get this done in 25 days because we don't have any money. Uh, a, lot, a bit interesting fact about Friday the 13th is they, none of them were made under the studio, the originals. They're all negative pickups. Wow. So, yeah, Paramount said, yeah, we'll give you the money to make it, but it doesn't mean we're going to buy it. Yeah. So they, there's <coughs> wow. this a huge thing that Paramount was really embarrassed by Friday the 13th, but they kept on making them because they cost one, two million dollars and they'd make 20 million bucks. Yeah, like, so that's a way to get you in the black really fast. They really need to do that today. Yeah, like it's it's honestly shocking that because I think like with like with Friday Thirteenth and like Nightmare on Elm Street and all those different films that are like major franchises, they don't think they can do that. I know it's it's but like, and I think that Blumhouse and James Wan, they're proving that you can make cheaper movies and no, make yeah. lots of money. Yeah, but again, <laughs> yeah, it's because there's always an audience for it. Yeah. So I mean, they need to get like some like a guy like the Lights Out guy to come in. And do a Friday Thirteenth for cheap, yeah. And just I don't know uh, why. You can read the script that they were going to shoot. It's really interesting. Uh, where's that script? You can get it online. Yeah, um, it's really interesting take Go on to Friday Thirteenth. <laughs> Hack in the code. So I mean, they're hoping that next year, because Paramount loses the rights to Friday Thirteenth again, goes back to New Line, uh-huh. that they'll make it. But I'm also hoping. So uh, what was really cool when I saw? I can't say. It. Uh, I saw when I saw my movie this week uh-huh. is all the previews beforehand were horror films uh-huh. and one is called uh, Happy Death Day yeah and it's uh, Blumhouse's new one and it's basically Groundhog Day but a horror film and yeah. it's a slasher so I'm hoping that it'll revitalize as long as it's not PG thirteen that's the only thing yeah. I'm I, Blumhouse is usually pretty good about that yeah um, we'll see. So I'm hoping the slashers will become popular again. Yeah. Because I'd love to see Friday 13th. No, yeah, I mean. I mean, but I don't know. Uh, I also, I'm just going through my Twitter feed because I put the movies I watch on yeah. there so I don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, the director of Skull Island did it. What's everything wrong with cinema? Oh, that was a great article. It was because James wrote it about three or four, three years ago, four years yeah. ago. Basically the same thing. So it's pretty funny seeing that happen again. Um so a few weeks we were doing the podcast and Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2 came out on Scream Factory Collector's Editions. I said, I don't know if I want to get it. And then I was like, all right, we were doing it. I ordered them. Yeah. And uh, again, the movies are harmless. They're not great. <laughs> They're like good fluff films. Yeah. So the first one uh, is obviously a superior one. I mean, but barely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's because Michael J. Fox is in it and yeah. um, it's a little more fun. Uh, what's great about the Scream Factory version, though, besides they cleaned up the negative a lot, so mm-hmm. it looks really good, uh, but there's a two-hour and 45-minute documentary on it. What? <laughs> yeah, about Teen Wolf. 
Damn. Just the first one. Just the first one. Wow. So <laughs> it's interesting hearing the guys talk about it. And I didn't know the writer of it is actually a really famous comic writer named Jeff oh, really? Loeb. And huh. he's overseas Marvel TV now. Yeah, and yeah. But before that, he, I see he must have written Hollywood and then transitioned to comics. But he wrote stuff like Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, uh, oh, all wow. the uh, – Batman Long Halloween kind of uh, right. themed books. He's he's really good, um, and he's interviewed in it. And those guys is at the beginning is funny. They they he had a writing partner, and they wrote like three or four scripts. <laughs> and uh, his partner went in, and he came back, and he said, "Hey man, we sold the script." He's like, "Oh, which one's it?" You know, like they're hyper. He's like, "No, Teen Wolf." He's like, "Teen Wolf." <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty funny. Um, and it was actually shot. I think in 84. Yeah. And they were going to release it in like February or March, but then they found out back to the future was coming out and they released it two weeks after back to the future. So Michael J. Fox had had the number one and two movies for all summer long. Wow. Um, That man was so lucky. Yeah. Well, the the key word is was, um, that was a terrible, (laughs) that was a terrible joke. Um, Teen Wolf two is Jason Bateman and it's, it's not like a bad movie. It's just not good. It was Teen Wolf two. So he plays his cousin who's, it's basically the same movie and it hits the same beats except but he's boxing. boxing. Yeah. It's basically the only difference. I've not seen it. It's the only difference. I'll let you borrow the Scream Factory yeah. version. Again, like just like The Howling 2, which is a total garbage movie, yeah. they still put, I think, seven new interviews with people who are involved in the movie in it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still pretty good. Zach, you all right? Yeah, I'm getting over a gold. All right. Oh um, getting back to 4K, I watched Alien Covenant. Uh, yeah, I've heard that's 4K. also really... It's oh my gosh! And actually, I enjoyed the movie a lot more. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had the similar viewing experience with Godzilla. Like I really liked Godzilla mm-hmm. when I saw it, but watching it again, it made it better. I think it's because I took away the hype yeah. of oh, here's a new alien movie, yeah. um, and I got a bit in, more into uh, Michael Fassbender's characters mm-hmm. and. The subtleties he played with each one is pretty great. No, he's an amazing actor. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. And so the movie, I think, played a lot better the second time yeah. I saw it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to watch it again because Ridley Scott has a commentary on it. It's also just a gorgeous-looking film. Oh, yeah. Like, it looks so amazing on it's like 4K. It's just like... And when I was watching it, like, yeah, like there's I have my issues with it or whatever, but like... The fact that, like, this film is even released, like, mm. a gory, violent, but, like, super high-budget sci-fi film. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just astonishing that that can even oh, happen. Yeah. Like, I was watching it, and I I remembered a little bit, and as my little boy was running around, I like, got he's not going to pay attention to yeah. this. And then they get to the medical bay where that dude has, like, the backburster, I call yeah. it. And he just, my kid just stops and starts staring at it. I was like, okay, time to stop. Yeah. <laughs> Before he starts spitting up blood. And, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, no. The movie's a lot better second time I watched it. Uh, again, it's shot beautifully. I think there's some great shots in it. Uh, one of my favorite is when um, they're running towards the, uh, I guess, the construction loader, and the alien comes like running out and sits on top of the pyramid. I think that's amazing. Um, just a couple shots. Uh, I also got on Blu-ray uh, for Love of the Game, which is the Kevin Costner pitching movie directed yeah. by Sam Raimi, um, and it's a fun movie. Uh, it, you know, it's it's interesting watching because of all of Sam Raimi's stuff. It's probably the most fluffy, where it follows a lot of beats for mm-hmm. that you expect from a studio movie. It was one of his earlier films too, wasn't it? Uh, no, it's uh, uh, I ninety two. So no, or no, I guess it's, it's no, like ninety nine. I'm sorry, it's ninety nine. Uh, so yeah. I guess say it's more. It's one of his more early like studio films. Yeah. So it's him getting used to that kind of. Environment. Yeah. So he after he did that, his next movie was Spider Man. Yeah. 
Uh, and I was just going back and reading about it. It cost like $80 million to make it. Well. I said, was like 50 of it go to Kevin Costner? Yeah, like. And he's great in it, but. Uh, Sam, I love you, but give me that money. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure, like, at that time, like, that was also, like, right after, like, uh, Dances with Wolves. Oh, yeah. and he well, was he, that was when he was huge. Yeah, he's so. world. Well, he started hitting bad because yeah. Postman. Postman. And that movie didn't do that well, but it's an all right movie. He's still a big enough star. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still think, I think he's a great actor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but the, the movie's all right. It's, I, I think of all of Sam Raimi's movies, it might be his weakest one. Um, but not, and I love Sam Raimi, but he does do little Sam Raimi flourishes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, John C. Riley's in it. There's a lot of good actors. Uh, so they help elevate the material. Yeah. Uh, I, I still had fun watching it. There's a scene where Kevin Costner is about to pitch the ball and he says, Groovy. Yes. I, and there's uh, not that I would scene be at all. happy. Uh, and the last thing I watch is I watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 on 4K. Yeah. And that movie's lots of fun, too. Did that movie, like, oh my God. boggle your mind in 4K with all uh, its glorious colors. The, the, the Ravager, like, uh, funeral? funeral scene. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. You're like, whoa, this is what. HDR means. Yeah. Uh, wow. It's, I mean, because, you know, honestly, having the 4K TV and the uh, UHD, everything doesn't look that much better, but there's certain moments in movies yeah. that are just like, okay. Well, really, like, that, I mean, as this becomes more and more popular, you're going to see cinematographers try harder. Yeah, I think like, so it's too. really like with this, that's when you start noticing <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. And I think, like, you're going to see an influx of really good cinematographers soon. I agree. So, I agree. And we'll see. I, I was reading an uh, interview with the guys from. I don't know who's putting out uh, Dario Argento's uh, Suspiria. Suspiria. I don't know. Who, I don't know. I don't oh, know. Oh, if I think it might be Synapse. It might be, and they said it's too expensive to yeah. produce. So I, that's why you only see major studios put them out. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, eventually, I'm sure the technology will catch up. No, I mean it's like it's in the same boat that Blu-ray was like in yeah. 2008. So. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually it'll be they'll get rid of DVDs completely. No, oh, yeah, um, and then it'll just be oh, you can get the Ultra HD combo pack instead of the Blu-ray DVD combo yeah. pack. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it'll start doing that. But again, I think Blu-ray is still. I mean, there's no way you're gonna get basket basketball to look better. No, yeah, like you know, it's it's a twenty million dollar comedy from yeah. the late nineties. So wait, no, I, I just had this image of myself in my head, like if I ever make a billion dollars. Like I would, I would needlessly spend it all on making a ultra 4K version of basketball, and that yeah. alone is why you will never be. Well, I said too. If I, I never play Powerball, but if I won, you know, two, three hundred million, yeah. I would take twenty-five million dollars and call whoever owns Friday the Thirteenth and say, "Let me put all this money up for this movie." No, yeah, like and they'd be like, "Who's this?" <laughs> give me a producer credit. Yeah. That's all I want, and I want points because this movie is going to make eighty million dollars. Oh yeah, like and they say, like fine, we'll give you your points. Ha ha ha! He'll never be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paramount definitely would do that. And I say, and I say, okay, yeah, I want uh, the points after it turns a profit, and I want the uh, DVD and home video points. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving you the twenty five million dollars. No, I mean you're funding it all. <laughs> yeah, like, I just want the character. Yeah, like. <laughs> and they're like Wilhelm. What did we do wrong? You made all that money. <laughs> I like how in your mind they're all 1930s rich people. I'm pretty sure they are. <laughs> Smoking cigars. Well, like Paramount is because they were a classy studio. Down at Warner Brothers just just like, get me, the, get me James Cagney. <laughs> yep. Oh, That's what I watched this week. Awesome. Henry, what's coming out on Blu-ray? DVD releases and Blu-rays. Well, I'll let you know. Uh, Baywatch is coming out on Blu-ray. 
Uh, Batman and Harley Quinn is coming out. Cool. Uh, there's a steelbook for that at Target. Ooh, fun. Uh, Black Sails, uh, that TV show that I think five people watched. It's a pirate one. Uh, Ronin with Robert De Niro. It's getting a release. Uh, Gotham season whatever is coming out. I think season three? Three. Three, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, My Cousin Rachel, which I was not that big of a fan of, but maybe you want to see it. It's a romance film from the 1800s. Uh, Son of Pale Face. Zach, do you know what that is? It's a Bob Hope film from uh, 1948, I think. Cool. Uh, but it's got Jane Russell in it, uh, too. So if you're a fan of the outlaw and her boobs, you'll love it. Cool. Uh, Team America World Police, that's coming out. Oh, it's uh, about time. Yeah. I just picked up basketball this week. Yeah. So, you know, now you can pick up this one, too. We'll have the entire Trey Parker, Matt Stone uh, movie film trilogy on Blu-ray because I think Orgasmo is on Blu-ray in some capacity. Okay. Yeah, I guess baseball is not part of the trilogy. They're just in it. <coughs> uh, Amsterdamed. I don't know what that is, but it's called Amsterdamed. It's a play on words. It is. It's a fun one. Going to the red light district. Going to the red lights of hell. Uh, Prizzy's Honor. I've not seen. Prizzy's Honor is a John Houston film with his daughter Angelica Houston, which won her a Best Supporting Actress nomination or uh, Oscar. Fun. Same. Uh, You're into gangster movies? Check it out. The Man with Two Brains, starring... It's uh, a funny Carl Reiner movie. Steve Martin? Yeah, Steve Martin, him. Directed by Carl Reiner. Yeah. And then, most importantly, what we're all pre-ordering, uh, Flipper is coming out on Blu-ray. So The Paul Hogan Flipper? Uh, yep, Paul Hogan Flipper. Season one. Uh, oh, see, oh, it's a TV, TV show? show from yeah, the, the TV show. Oh, okay. I don't think it's a movie. So, yeah, if you... if. I know all of our Flipper fans out there have been clamoring for our season one Blu-ray. Now you can get it. Yeah, that dolphin was magical, man. Yeah. And that's uh, Blu-ray releases for this week. Yeah, there's not a lot else, so. So, Brad, uh, tell me what's going on around town. Well, this week at the drive-in, we've got uh, a repeat. They've held over last week's uh, lineup, so you can look forward to Dunkirk, Annabelle Creation, and The Dark Tower again. Right, so, good. $8, three movies. Watch them under the stars. It's a great time. Fun. Awesome. I regretfully have not been there as much as I should have this summer. Okay. So Shame on you. Yeah, it's been a busy summer. You know, that's no excuse, man. It isn't. I'm ashamed. I, I might just go blow my brains out in my car <laughs> at the end of the episode. Well, I mean, you could just go. To the, you could go there and then blow your brains. That's not like. Oh, so you know. while I'm at the drive-in, that's a good idea. What's the last one? Annabelle Creation. That's the last one's Dark Tower. Oh, great! Well, it's the, the perfect, perfect one to kill yourself at. <laughs> yeah. so. But do make sure it's like after the very at the very end moment, and then you're just like, I now know what hell looks like, and then. I'll start out with Dunkirk being like, wow, survival is important. And yeah. then I'll watch Annabelle Creation and then be like, Tower man, back. hell doesn't sound that bad. And then you'll watch that and be like, time to go to hell. So, yeah. uh, And then The Esquire is showing Creepshow this week, Saturday, Friday, Saturday at the Esquire Theater. Um, I've never seen it, but Ryan says it's awesome. So yeah. Yeah. you should check Ryan, it out. Ryan, what do you think of that? So this week on Real Nerds Podcast, all the movies sucked. Uh, <laughs> you know, what I don't get, though, when you see, like, release schedules and you see such a dead area, why don't they put a movie there? I know, right? You know, instead of, like, jamming so many, uh, like, Baywatch yeah. or a movie that can get lost in the summer, stick it here when it's going against, like, well, repeats. Like, this weekend would have been great leap. for, like, 
for L- L- Logan Lucky to come out. Yeah, when or, there's nothing. or last year, like the nice guys. When you did know? they announce that like McGregor fight? Because I don't know if like there's enough lead time that Hollywood's like, don't put a movie out that weekend because <laughs> no one's going to go see it. Uh, probably like three or four months. But you can always move a movie. That's true. I mean, because I mean, that happened last year. I and think like, there was some big ago. fight that like took away from some big opening. Yeah. Two, year, this two, two too? years ago, it mm-hmm. took away from Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. It was Pacquiao Mayweather. I think when you get to the start of football season, like studios get like, yeah. antsy about like yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, um, anyways, but you can. Uh, so I uh, will start with Brad. Brad, what did you see this week? Okay, uh, so yeah, we all decided to just go our separate ways and see whatever the hell we wanted. <laughs> so you know, if any of us double up, that'll be our movie of the week, I guess. I so today we'll see <laughs> the Hitman's Bodyguard. I did. All right. <laughs> so this week's episode might be The Hitman's Bodyguard. Uh, I wanted to see Briggsby Bear, but like by the time I realized I could have seen a movie, it was yeah. like 10 minutes after the last showing at the Esquire. The only showing, you mean? The only showing, yeah. There's one at the Alamo like in two weeks. I'll oh, probably okay. get to see it. Yeah. But um, anyway, The Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah. My review is... <laughs> <laughs> my review was... Uh, it's the it's the f- most I laughed in a film this year, but that's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> This is Michael Bryce. I'm an executive protection agent. I've extracted my client. Cleanup is required. You might want to call the bomb squad. Make it the fire department. Is that my car? I'm afraid so. Have a seat. It's been a long day. The trial continues one of the world's most brutal dictators. With a key witness to testify. I can assure you, we're more than prepared for any assault. (laughs) Prepared for that assault, motherfucker? Kincaid is dead. You'll be paid in full. There's a safe house not far from here. I have a job for you. The transport is in there. What the f- 27 times. That's so many times this asshole's tried to kill me. 27. 28! <laughs> you won't last one hour without me. You gonna be a little bitch about it? Where your husband is. You lost my husband? That is your job, motherfucker. The only way Bryce and Kincaid don't make it to is if they kill each other first. If you wouldn't mind the gun. On three. One. My bad. You're bad. No, when life gives you shit, you make Kool-Aid. Life doesn't usually give you shit and then turn into a beverage. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) if you want to see a movie where, uh, if you think every time uh, Samuel L. Jackson says motherfucker is the most funniest thing you've ever heard, (laughs) right? Oh, oh. And they made a movie out of it, and it's this one. (laughs) Or if you uh, can't wait for Deadpool 2 uh, and you need your Ryan Reynolds quipping fix, uh, this is it. Does he show his dick in it like he did in Deadpool? No, I'm I'm out. He might have shown it in the five minutes I fell asleep. Um, he, uh, there was a weird helicopter scene with his dick. So he got caught in the helicopter. No, he just flew away. Oh, so, with his <laughs> <his> propellers. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. 
That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, the story is that Ryan Reynolds is a really good bodyguard. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, leading this one Asian businessman to his helicopter, and then a mysterious sniper takes that guy out, and he's he loses his AAA And it becomes actually like a Craigslist-level bodyguard at that yeah. point. So. And uh, the because he's funny. It, it is a good parody of yeah. Someone the on poster. someone on Letterboxd, their review was: "This film exists only to make that poster happen." Yeah. <laughs> so, the poster is the funniest thing of the movie, I think. Uh, Gary Oldman's in this movie. Yeah, that okay. <laughs> As the reincarnated corpse of the villain from Air Force One. Yeah, and also literally. No. Oh, now, now I want to see this movie. He, he, he has a Russian accent again. Well, it's also like he's like essentially his sa- the same character from Leon the Professional too. Like I haven't seen Leon. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's like but my issue with his character is that like this film is like all of the Sam Jackson and the Ryan Reynolds stuff is like just comedy. And then you get like well there's a scene where a guy you see that you watch this guy react to his wife and his child being murdered in front of him and then you there's another scene where someone gets tortured (laughs) these are two scenes in a straight comedy film this year (laughs) and like all of the scenes that Gary Oldman's in he has not no humor in this at all (laughs) and so it's weird like it's jarring to go from like Samuel Jackson being like motherfucking this and, and then just straight to him like slitting someone's throat like no humor it's it, brutal <laughs> like I feel like all those scenes are just in there to make the gravitas of their story like it can't just be a silly buddy comedy yeah. like they're trying to add weight to it so yeah which this film is this is not a film that was like we need more weight to this picture <laughs> so like yeah these characters need more depth uh no. And then uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the world's best hitman, and he has the dirt on Gary Oldman's character, so they're trying to transport him to uh, testify in front of, I don't know, the UN? Yeah. Oh, Interpol. Interpol? Yeah. Uh, which they make a lot of digs at Interpol being a bunch of fuck-ups. Yeah. Which, I don't know if that's a thing. I mean, from is, what I understand, Interpol's supposed to be, like, the big, high-up cops. I don't yeah. know. You're a cop. You would know. Um, well, they're international yeah. police is what it's short for. Yeah. Do they constantly screw up their job? <laughs> Has Interpol ever come to Idaho Springs? They, to they have not. I have not seen Interpol up there, but you never know. Uh, but this movie makes you think that they are constantly terrible at their yeah. jobs. Uh, and there's a mole in Interpol, yeah, of course. Uh, of course. Is it an actual mole, like a giant mole? Actually, awesome. speaking of moles, it's actually the the villain from the season three of Twenty Four. Really? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so, which is notorious for moles in CTU. Um, yeah, and then Samuel Jackson. Well, anyway, Samuel Jackson. He still wants to testify, even though he can just walk away and like go into yeah. security. But uh, he's doing it so that his wife Salma Hayek, who has an even dirtier mouth than him, surprisingly enough, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she'll get released from prison if she, she still complies. looks great. I think she's like yeah. forty-four or something. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then the rest of it's like three car chases in a row. Yeah, bombastic car chases, and then a uh, big firefight at the end, and yeah. Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson. Annoyed at each other, yeah, constantly. So yeah, don't have to see it. <laughs> It'll it's definitely like, be on TNT. Like, yeah, edited. It, it's weird because like I was gonna say, like this is the perfect film to watch on T- TNT or TBS. But at the same time, though, this is gonna be very heavily edited yeah. for those channels. So <laughs> and yeah, now this thirty-minute presentation of the Hitman's bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, it felt like two and a half hours, and they probably take that hour and a half out. No, yeah, all this the pacing and was violence. awful of the film. Yeah, that one scene where uh, Ryan Reynolds. Fights in the hardware store. Yeah, 
the choreography and like the, it was like a Jackie Chan level yeah. like cleverness using all the like all the stuff around there yeah um other than that yeah I mean it's also like, like forget because there's also like that one long take of that one fight like right before they go into the hardware store oh to, in the in the restaurant yeah the point where like I've got, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm not impressed by long takes anymore <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah you're I just talked about Victoria cool yeah <laughs> alright so uh, that's the Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah. Uh, is that the only thing you saw? I also saw Good Time. So why don't you talk about Good Time? All right. Zach, you'll still Good Time. Good <laughs> I, have, I did see time. Good Time. Henry, should people go see Good Time? Yeah, I really like Good Time. So go, Or, I mean... I decided to see <laughs> The Persuasion's Good Time. For some reason, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I think you should see it. So, yeah, you're going to have more to talk about, so go ahead. Um, good Time, more like Bad Time. <laughs> uh, no, uh, this movie was really... Zach, didn't you write movies? Be more clever with your puns. <laughs> no! <laughs> I want to be the next Gene Shalit. Um, uh, bye! I'm Gene now. Bye! Um, no, um, in spite of me doing two bad puns in, a, in two weeks, uh, no, Good Time... I'm really conflicted on this film as I discussed with you time. last night because I think it's a very important film, but I don't know how to recommend it to people because it's like telling somebody to get punched in the face, but telling them at the same time, you need to get punched in the face. Hey, Zach, punch yourself in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think, yeah, um, uh, I think uh, why don't we talk about the film and then we'll be able to kind of explain my position, but okay. I think it's a really good film, and I think Pattinson's great in it, so. Okay. Here's a trailer for Good Time. Jesse, I gotta come clean with you about something. What? So I told you about my brother, yeah? I told you about the program he's forced to attend and how he shouldn't be there. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Do you understand that? No. Something happened. I don't know exactly what. My brother's been arrested. He's being held at Rikers Island. You could get killed in there. Sorry, I just have a client that walked in. We're good? You get another 10 grand, your brother will get out. Where are you? How much money can you get right now? Come on, bro. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? What do you think I'm doing this for? I want to get him out tonight. It's just gonna make it worse for me. You ever do time before? Is your brother okay? Listen, I want you to come with me. Now you are gonna love it. This place where we are now can be a lot of fun if you let it. You're going to have a good time. Um. So, good time is the... It's... it's So, Robert Pattinson plays this guy named Connie. 
who um, with his <laughs> with his brother Nick. Are there other characters like named Robbie and Mur- Murdery <laughs> <laughs> and Extortiony and Larceny? <laughs> Rapey. Yeah. Um, there we go. Um, no. You're like the Daniel Tosh of our podcast. Like it gets really, really funny. Then you just go like one extra joke to throw everybody off. I'm pretty sure he's the one who wanted to wear Elizabeth's shoe as a skin suit. So, um, so? what's weird about that? <laughs> so um, Elizabeth's shoe is anyway. Robert Pattinson plays a plays a. I guess you'd call him a constant fuck-up named Connie, who ropes his mentally handicapped brother, played by the co-director of the film, into robbing a bank um, through a series of big, like, fucking fuck-ups involving, like, the the canister of dust or paint that gets blown in your face um, with uh, within a cash robbery, I guess. Um, uh, they get... Uh, the brother... The mentally handicapped brother gets caught, and... Um, Connie is short uh, 10 grand for the bail. So the whole movie is about him trying to procure the other 10 grand he needs to get his brother out of jail. So tell me Connie's short for something and it's not just it, it uh, is I just don't remember constant. right now. Constant thing. Okay, as I say unless they're like he pulls cons and his character's name <laughs> is Connie cuz that's awful. Um so um so is, the the film like it, it's getting a lot of accolades for Pattinson and it's and rightfully so like this I did not. I completely forgot this was Sparkly Vampire Boy, um, and uh, or Cedric Diggory. Um, like he was, he was like Joe Pesci if he were sexy. This was like strange and bizarre uh, as a performance as you can get. Um, the film itself is. So I said before, it's a punch in the fucking face, um, as if though you're really trying to like. Because I think it it does what Spring Breakers wanted to do but couldn't do because it stunk um, in in this regard. Because like after watching this, I realized that Spring Breakers is pretty terrible um, in the regard that like I think this is the movie millennials should be watching. As I still a have no idea call. what this movie's about, Zach. Okay, I'll, I'll explain it shorter. I literally did explain it. Okay, so it's uh, uh, you, but you, you took your time. Okay. Uh, you, you went in too big of detail. Okay. Uh, basically, the film is about uh, Robert Pattinson and his brother are these two like like low level like bank robbers or whatever. Uh, they go to rob a bank and then es- essentially Robert Pattinson gets away, but his brother doesn't. Uh, and so I he just wants- said that. Uh, so- okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, the difference is like, <laughs> you say it, you'll say Robert Pattinson. By the way, if he was Joe, and then then I lose track of where what the movie's about. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that you're very detailed, and if it's like choose your own adventure, you'd say like Robert Pattinson is, and then you go to the bottom, and there's a bunch of different pages, and when I turn on Henry's page, it's like the paragraph chapter. Yours is when you flip. And like, oh, I gotta read ten pages to figure out what this adventure is oh, about. Boy. No, you're right. You're right. So yeah, so Robert Pattinson's brother goes to goes to prison, uh, and then he and so Robert Pattinson wants to bail him out that night. Uh, and so he's like, and so the guy, the bail bonds guy, says, if you get me ten thousand dollars, I can get him out tonight. And so it's about that night where he tries to get ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I can follow Zach. Continue. <laughs> um, I, I now I kind of lost did my I train. Just I, totally yeah, derail you, you. you did derail me. Um, so because I because I was I am trying to think like no, I need to start being more concise. From I will now. start critic. I'll just start doing my stuff, and then if you want to pop in, yeah, no, uh, um, so go right ahead. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked about it is that uh, in like like what he's saying with the whole punch the face thing, 
it's just a very unpleasant film to watch. It's like yeah. it's it's a very dark, very dirty uh, kind of film where it's just like it's one of those like there isn't one character who you like. It's all a whole bunch of fucked up people, essentially. I keep on getting distracted. My Twitter feed is on. Dude, dude. <laughs> um, I watched like, that this morning. Uh, well, like, I mean, I I think the closest thing you get to a sympathetic character might be his brother. Yeah, but he's also. But, but he's, even then, the brother's kind of like an asshole too. Well, I mean, which is strange. I, well, I think his brother's also an asshole because Connie is taking advantage of him. Yeah, that's true. Like, he's but, he's kind uh, of being guided down that path. But also, I think it's just like it's one of those films where. You, I'm not going to recommend it because it's not a film that everyone is going to want to see. Obviously, yeah, and, and that's if, the thing. I can't even do that either. If you see, mm-hmm. I mean, I will say I saw the trailer and was not excited for this film. Is the movie more like the first or the second trailer? Uh, I feel like the second trailer was trying to make it look better than no. Because I agree. Because I was not excited for this film when I first saw the trailer. The second trailer, I was more excited for. But one, after watching the film, the first trailer it really describes it better. Okay, uh, it's not. A, it's like it's not a pleasant film. It's more about seeing, like from point A to point B. Essentially, I mean, the film boils down to Robert Pattinson's character really discovering how awful he is, mm-hmm. and, and like his arc is going from thinking he's the savior of his brother to realizing he's the downfall of his brother, and that's and you've watched it for that evolution of his character. Uh, it's definitely not for everyone. I will say, just from it's one of the very, very few films that perfectly nails New York. Uh, you don't because there's a lot of people that like you don't need to live in New York long to understand the vibe of New York. I think so. a lot of movies romanticize New York exactly. And yeah. when you, uh, I've only been there twice, but when you go there, you go, hmm, there's some really nice areas. But I always uh, kin it to good block, bad block. Good yeah. block, bad block. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone walks so fast there. And yeah. Everyone's rude. Good. And not the walking, not the rude part. <laughs> well, Brad walks like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Brad, where are you going? I have a purpose. Catch if you, up. If you bump into him, all of his rings fall out. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to make sure he collects them. Or... <laughs> Why am I carrying all these rings? <laughs> uh, but it's just like, it's also interesting because I don't think they. I mean, I could be wrong, but the entire film, I don't think they go into Manhattan at all. No, I think they, they don't. All they're, they're like, it's, it's all in Queens or like <laughs> Spidey stomping ground. Yeah. Like they, I, yeah, they don't, they go, they go nowhere near downtown. Like the bank robbery might, might be in like lower Manhattan. I'd have to but, look at the film yeah. again to, yeah, yeah. to see where they're like playing out. But, um, you know, it's funny actually, like, um, so like earlier in the summer we were talking about baby driver and I, alluded to how it had a feel of a 30s Warner Brothers gangster film mm-hmm. to a degree. This film has a lot of uh, early Scorsese. Uh, Do you want me to tell you a certain time? I have a whiteboard. For, okay. uh, this film has a little bit of a certain um, injection of Scorsese in the early 70s uh, well, I mean, mixed I, into it. I, I disagree. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of taxi driver in this fucking movie. No, yeah, but I think it's very much more inspired by, like, like I said when we saw it. I think this film is very clearly inspired by '90s uh, independent cinema. Maybe in terms of its tone, but its soul is straight up like fucking like Pattinson is. I mean, it, I would disagree. I mean, I think it's very inspired by Goodfellas more so than Taxi Driver. I, if you want to hear fight, two fight, critics fight, fight, fight. <laughs> about New York. <laughs> Listen to this week's Real Nerds podcast. I, I'm the fattest one, so I'm going to be Ebert. You can be Siskel if you want. Right. Um, they had a fun relationship. I don't know if they butt-fucked behind set, but anyway. I'm not interested, Zach. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> He's no. told you before, Zach. No, I, I'm going I'm to stick Nobody's by it. Nobody's no, Zach. There's a, there's a shit ton of Travis Bickle within his character that, no, I, 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 that, yeah. that I'm foreseeing. I, now, 
In terms of what it's saying, though, I do agree with you because mm-hmm. there is. In terms of how it's shot, because we were well, we were discussing this last night, and I've thought about it a lot since then. Is that the films that we that you saw from the '90s independent movement that we don't really talk about anymore, like a Rumblefish yeah. or what have you, that came out in '94, the same year as Clerks. Mm-hmm. This this film is what they're emulating. It, they're not emulating the Tarantino's, Rodriguez's, or the Smiths. They're pushing out towards the people who were actually s- probably saying something a lot more meaningful yeah. uh, in the long run. So, um, uh, so I think that. Like I am. So it, I think that it, it it ends up being a little bit. <laughs> So anyway, that's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time. Sorry, Zach, you're, Zach, you're almost as easy to distract as Brad. I know. I just, I, I, I feel. There was a part of me was just like, am I hearing a voice in my head? Why does my voice sound like Ryan in German? They're trying to be courteous and like not interrupt you. Yeah. And you still can't like handle <laughs> talking up like across the room. It's, I mean, I it's think, okay. We got to move on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm doing it to be an ass because no, no, it's so fine. Exactly. <laughs> But my point. <laughs> uh, end of the day, could see good time if you want something different. It's very different from what is in theaters if right you now. Need so. a, if you need a break from the mainstream, go right ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I thought you were done. Yeah. I was going to say, like... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell. It's a good time. <laughs> I didn't think that you see it or not, Zach. Should they see it or not? No, I wasn't. I thought I heard you sit, trying to say something, so I was gonna let you. say I'm just something. trying to move on because I, I got a great segue. So just okay, say your last piece, and I'll do it. I wouldn't recommend a Twilight fan go see this, but it's definitely a good. It's a good. <laughs> God damn it! I, forget it. What's All your right. transition? All right, so we've got two for Hitman's Bodyguard. We got two for Good Time. Ryan, you're the tiebreaker. What did you see? Uh, uh, this week I saw Annabelle Creation. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> so the movie this week Call is going to be James. Uh, Annabelle Creation. Um, yeah, if you like uh, really cool, scary movies that are very slowly built and very well made, definitely go see Annabelle. Uh, I, I like movies that are rated R, not for gore, but for terror. And this movie definitely fits that bill. It's in the Conjuring universe, and it tells the story of Annabelle is the most possessed doll or possessed item that the Warners have. Um, Warren, sorry. And it takes place. They didn't even just give a specific time. I guess it's the 1950s. Um, I thought it looked like the 30s, but okay. Or maybe 30s. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, no, because they have like a rock and roll song playing at one oh, point. Oh, never mind. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, it does look older than that, and yeah. it's kind of like they're in rural wherever, like everyday America. But yeah, everyone should go see it if you like horror films. And if you go see it right now, there's a 10 minute preview for it before it. And it's only the scene where Georgie's boat goes like in the sewers. And so it's just him and um, Bill Skazgard who plays Pennywise. And there's this really like terrifying moment in it where uh, he's talking and he says, you like balloons? Uh, and, and he's talking about the circus. And then uh, uh, Georgie like asks Pennywise a question and his two eyes go like different directions and he just stands and it, the camera holds on him for a while and there's no kind there's like this really uncomfortableness uh, with everything and uh, that's where like the preview ends and then he kind of comes back so yeah if you want to see it um, but yeah go see Annabelle Creation it was quiet for all these years after Samuel and I lost our daughter no! we prayed to see our girl again contact started small but then she wanted permission to move into the doll we soon realized it wasn't our daughter 
So we locked it away. We thought helping the girls could be our penance. This is our new orphanage. Wow, this is big as a castle. But we ended up giving it just what it wanted. You need help? I can manage it. see God, we can feel his presence. In this house, I feel a different kind of presence. An evil one is coming after me. Because I'm the weakest. You help me. What do you need? found this doll. What doll? The one in the white dress. She mustn't go near that doll. She can walk. Forgive me, sister, for how I was sin. Yeah, the, uh, I'm sorry. No, that's cool. Yeah, the uh, the guy who directed it directed uh, Lights Out for uh, Blumhouse as well, and New Line. Mm-hmm. Or no, wait, was it's, Lights Out Blumhouse or just New Line? No, Lights Out is New Line. Yeah, just New Line. Yeah. Anyways, uh, David Sandberg, I think, is his name, and he made Lights Out for three or five million dollars yeah. and made like ninety million. Same thing with this one. I think it's five point five million. Wow. He's going to make him tons of money. Production value of this one looks. I haven't seen it yet, but the trailer alone. Yeah, looks so uh, five I forget wow. his name. He's in So I Married an Axe Murder. He plays the cop. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been a while. Anthony. Uh, Anthony Hell? La, no, La. Oh, La Palia? Yeah, La Palia. There yeah. we go. Um, from from Law and Order. Yeah. I think. And he plays a doll maker, and him and his wife are really happy, and they have this young daughter. And the opening is just him making dolls, and he's a doll maker, and. Uh, they go to his church and they're leaving church and he's fixing a flat tire on his car and the bolt comes out and the daughter runs out to get it and she gets ran over. But unlike Pet Cemetery, where you just like kind of sense it, in, in this film, you see her run out and like it hit her and it quick cuts really fast. Um, so you see like the impact. So their daughter dies. And 12 years later, they open up their house to an orphanage, uh, or I guess not an orphanage, uh, a sister and a father and a bunch of young girls that are orphans and they're basically housing them so it's going to be an orphanage and uh, one of the little girls Jane she has uh, recovering from polio oh okay and polio is better than the gun I guess <laughs> Janie got a gun get it guys <laughs> uh, so you can't derail me like you can I can derail you <laughs> I came close <laughs> nope and, and while they're there obviously a lot of 
supernatural things happen. Uh, no one's really sure mm-hmm. about if it's real or not. And what's great about this film is it lets the characters develop uh, a lot. The little girl Jane and uh, her friend i can't remember friendly that's bad anyways uh, they have this really great relationship and then slowly the demon starts revealing itself and what's really cool it kind of follows the insidious uh conjuring universe kind of thing where what you see the ghosts and the paranormal stuff but it's actually something different um i don't know if, i don't know if i want to spoil it but it, i mean it happens pretty early in the reveal of the of the, the paranormal mm-hmm. stuff uh, but as it builds, it, it's it's pretty. Uh, I mean, I was in uh, audience midday, and there's uh, this old couple behind me, and they were like screaming. I don't think it was that scary, but it definitely has the unpleasantness to it. Uh, what, what I really loved about the direction and the the set of shots is, and I, I, you can tell this guy's a James Wan like guy yeah. because what James Wan is the master of playing with your expectations going into horror films. Uh, a lot of times James will uh, put the camera and put the person in focus like in the bottom right. Mm-hmm. And so he makes you focus on the background and nothing happens for the first three or four times. And then slowly something happens in the background. And this movie does that too. There's this really awesome shot pretty early where the little girl goes into the room she's not supposed to go into and she's like looking out the window and looking around and you see this white dress like just sit up and then she like her head goes back in front of it comes back and it's gone so there's little things like that um and and i like too that they they never really the doll never really moves in it oh okay the doll the, I don't, so the, the the doll is basically it's not like I've got no strings. Don't yeah, hold exactly. me down. It's, it's not like Chucky. Yeah, the, the doll is just a, is symbolic for what's happening, mm-hmm. and just like the it's conjuring a point of attention to fear, I guess you. Yeah, call it. Ex- yeah, exactly. So yeah. in the Conjuring universe, it's it's like a conduit. Mm-hmm. So this they they lose their daughter, and so they start asking someone to help them bring him back, bring her back, uh-huh. and by doing that, it's. Uh, demons will prey on the soul and mm-hmm. um so i guess so anyway so they do that and a demon actually enters their house so it's not really mm-hmm. a ghost which makes it a lot cooler mm-hmm. um and, and there's really some horrific things in it and i i i just i love horror films like this and uh, some of the stuff i was like yeah i don't like so, so somebody dies really gruesomely mm-hmm. and it's as as much as just the the demon basically looks at him and uh, makes him die. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the movie, the little girls are running from the demon mm-hmm. and the demon doesn't do anything to him. And that's my only issue with the movie. I would have given it five stars if it wasn't this little plot point. Yeah. So the demon can look at one guy and totally murder him. Mm-hmm. But the little girls, he has to chase around and try to get him. Yeah. I mean, does he? Is he not that? He can only do that once. There's not really fully explained. So to me, it just seems like that's weak. Your yeah. weakness is children. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, all the actors in it are amazing. Uh, Miranda Odo, I think she's in Game of Thrones. Or Miranda Otto was Otto. in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah she plays the mom in it. Uh, it it's just if you, I, I mm. if you like horror films, it's definitely one of the better horror films this year. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, <laughs> would you say, well, obviously better than first Annabelle? Well, yeah, the, the reason the, it's better than the first one is I think I've said it is the director in the first Annabelle is awful. Yeah. He directed Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which I think is maybe all I have to say about it. Um, <laughs> but if you had to go a little further, maybe it's the fact that he doesn't really know how to make things scary. Yes, because <laughs> the story in the first one I actually think is really good. Mm-hmm. And the, the ending is pretty shocking. Uh, this one, everything works. The setting. Mm. The direction, the cinematography, the lighting, because it's not so dark. And there's a great moment where this one girl is being terrorized by the demon in this barn and he's blowing out each light in the barn. And so she's like running and like trying to keep this one last light. And they keep this beat where she's turning it for a really long time just so everybody can settle down. And then, of course, uh, it springs on her, but it's really cool. Um, so if you want to see a cool horror film, I definitely think you should see it. And you should probably see it because the it opening is pretty amazing. And judging by what people are saying about it, mm-hmm. I can't wait. It's kind of like uh, a new generation monster squad is what I'm reading where the losers are really fun and uh, it's terrifying, uh, Pennywise. So I'm excited to see that one. I think that comes out in two weeks. Yep. So what do you see next week? Uh, next week is... Uh, there is something I want to see next week. Is what? Oh, uh, it's a film explosion. Two thousand seven. Two thousand seven. Oh, we're jumping past. Oh, I mean ninety seven. We're doing ninety seven. <laughs> oh, all right. I looked at that one. I'm like, you ah. read the wrong cue card, Ryan. I, feel like, I mean, ninety seven. Like just did a film explosion. We did. You can listen to film explosion nineteen eighty seven from two weeks ago. Um, I don't think there is anything this week unless you want to see the new Reese Witherspoon movie. Uh, <laughs> the only thing, like the only thing coming out. That is worth of notice if that's coming out that week is uh, the sequel to Goon. But I also oh. don't, I don't, I don't think, think that's coming. I don't out think anywhere. it's coming in America. Yeah, yeah so. I don't think there's actually. I don't think there's anything again. I like Goon. I'd watch a sequel to oh, Goon. Yeah, but. No, I mean, I love Goon, but yeah, I'd love to see. I, that. I think like it was only successful in Canada, so they're only producing it really in Canada. Well, good so. for them. <laughs> you got to make sure James is available for Film Explosion too. Oh yeah. So well, I mean, we don't have a choice because absolutely nothing opens next week. You can see Tulip Fever, whatever the fuck yep. that is. Or Close Encounters <laughs> of the Third Kind, 40th Anniversary. Mm-hmm. Retro, oh. retro film explosion. So we just give news from 1970-something. It'll be the first time we've called an audible midweek, so yeah. we'll see. So The plan pl- is 97, but... plan is film explosion 97. Um, cool. Cool. Yep. See, why don't they just move home again, like, up a week? And then I won't be able to get anything. I don't even know what, what is home again. I don't even know what, what is that movie. It's probably some dramatic. It is because it, so they thing. have three. Um, oh yeah, that's a Reese Witherspoon movie. So the, they have three movies opening on the eighth. It, Home Again, and the Charlie Sheen nine eleven. It's called nine eleven. It looks it looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we just move one up. Just move one up to the east side. Well, the deluxe apartment in the sky. Until we run Hollywood. Yeah. That's real nice for this week. Bye. Real Nerds Podcast is a Nebulous Visions multimedia production. The Real Nerds would like to thank the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now open in Sloan's Lake. We also would like to thank Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, especially Andrew. Our music has been brought to you by Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios. And of course, thanks to James's mother, our most loyal listener. Have a nice day.